Warning, the following episode of Orsini's Uncensored Mind contains explicit language and adult content. The thoughts and opinions stated on the show are reflective of A.J. Orsini and his guests exclusively. But seriously, guys, the show is called Uncensored. If you got a problem with bad language, I really don't give a shit. Steve Dave, as we bring to you guys another episode, I am bequeathing, I forgot all about that word, so we're bringing it back, I am bequeathing episode 191 to you guys, I'm here with my brother Deceive Dave, and we are not alone, we have another co-host on the show here today, a guest of ours who has been on the podcast uh, once before, I believe twice, but a long time ago, he is making his return to the show here when he's doing so as a dada. So this should be interesting. But I got Deceive Day with me, and I've got hey. Alexander Polgreen with me here today. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, 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 indeed. Uh, we are here for episode 191. Uh, Dave said he's been itching. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't a part of the interview last week. I was um, not. So it's been a, about two weeks since he's had a chance to come out here and speak his negativity to the world. Whoa, and, whoa, man- whoa, whoa, and manifest whoa. his 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 inner stress to all of you. Right? I don't like being slandered. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's been a while since Paul Green's been on here. Now Paul Green's here today because me and my brother made a bit of a joke about uh, discussing big men in the industry, and uh, my brother staked his claim on Kane, which I'm sure he will push further today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, Paul sure. Green said, hey, when you guys get to the discussion about the big guys, I want in. So he's in. Mm-hmm. He's here. He's in. He's here. <laughs> Good. Good. Because I'm looking at this and we're going to need another mouthpiece for this one because there's <laughs> some old heads in here. <laughs> hey, listen, pay your Show. respects to your elders. These big motherfuckers paved the way for the it new did. big motherfuckers. How about mm-hmm. that? Huh? There's no Big E without Haystacks Calhoun. <laughs> Everyone knows that to be true. I don't know how those two are connected, but you know what? We're going to make that work. It all connects, man. All you got to be able to, to do the science. Degree. Yes. So here we are with episode 191. Uh, a big reason why you and I, Dave, did not get together is because you had a busy week. Mm-hmm. I had a busy week, and my week culminated into an even bigger weekend. Right. Uh, I had back-to-back days. I had to be in two different areas of New Jersey. For Saturday and for Sunday, ooh, and uh, I had to do uh, so. I had to do uh, live commentary on Saturday. We were live on Fight TV for GSW, 
and uh, we were doing, uh, I was managing on Sunday with ULW, right? So I'm with Global Syndicate Wrestling Saturday. That was a fun day. And then uh, Sunday was another fun day where I got to sit ringside while my boys did their damage. Now, Saturday, I have to uh, send my apologies out for those of you who were watching the live stream on Saturday. Uh See, uh, there was a bit of an issue. So if you don't know, we ran, the first time we ran in February, we lost the stream twice, but we got it back both times. It was short period. It was just something glitched, whatever the situation was, but we got them back. And then we uh, re-edited everything, and everything on the replay is completely 100%. This time around, it ran smooth as fuck. We had almost literally no issues up until the main event, and about halfway through the main event, we lost the feed, and we never got it back. Apparently, oh, that sucks. I did not know because I was in the, <laughs> I was still talking like we were on the air because nobody told me. And the whole I didn't realize until after the show was over when my boss walked over to me, "Hey, you guys are really good." And he goes, "Yeah, we lost a fucking feed halfway through," and I said, "Excuse me." It's like, yeah, we lost the fucking feed. One of the wires got unplugged accidentally, and they couldn't figure out what the issue was. By the time they figured out that it was that one particular wire, we were already at the at the go-home uh, for that particular match. The main event, Alexander Hammerstone and Chris Dickinson did not get seen live. So I got a whole bunch of – I don't check my phone when I'm on the road. Uh, I leave – my podcast, not my specific. Let me clarify that. I don't listen to my own podcast on the way home from shows. But I was listening to Cornette. I had some other videos on. I was listening to the A&E biography stuff. I have things running in the car, but I don't constantly check it. I'm driving. So I didn't realize as the night had progressed, I was getting message after message after message after message. And apparently... A, a bunch of people found out that I was the play-by-play man for that show that I didn't even know who they were. So these were people who were either fans of the company or listening to the stream who were sending me messages asking me who had won the match because they didn't see it. Right. And I didn't get that till I got home. Luckily, I wasn't that far. I had about 45-minute drive to get back to my house. I get home, and my phone has all these messages. I felt like a WWE superstar. That's how I felt, literally at the end of a pay-per-view when all the superstars get all those messages. But none of those messages were for me. They were all about the main event and who had won. So I told them who won, and I, I told them, hey, look, apologize. We apologize for the feed deal. And I'm saying it here. We apologize for the feed deal. But uh, like I said, just like last time, the feed is uh, not an issue when it comes to recording. We recorded the show in whole, in totality. You can watch it back. And on the replay, it's going to be the full show. So if you didn't get the ending or if you didn't see the show at all but you intended to, when you go back to the replay uh, by heading over to FITEFight.TV and typing in GSW in your search bar, you can get both shows to pop up, Inception and Catalyst. When you click on either one of them, they're complete. They are in totality. It's, it's, the, whole, it's the whole show. So uh, don't think that... Uh, on the replay, you're only going to see half the match. It's all there, and you'll get to hear all of my lovely commentary uh, the entire time, especially the way that I called that main event because it was awesome. So you guys, not the the match, not my commentary. My well, my commentary was pretty good too. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, uh, the dude. match was great. <laughs> so a lot happened there. 
so that's good for that. As far as the next night goes, so now we get to Sunday, and I'm managing the Blood Brothers. Right? I'm doing my heel thing, right? I'm being this asshole and a condescending prick. And I got to make a joke. Uh, I did a little promo in the ring, and I got to make a little social distancing joke. That was pretty cool. Because for whatever reason, I don't want to pull the curtain back too much, but the whole idea was is that we did an open challenge. Right, so we're so it's supposed to be you know whoever steps up to the plate, we're just gonna kick the shit out of them. Basic wrestling 101, and uh, I'm I'm doing my thing. I'm 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 doing my heel thing on the mic. I got my two giants sitting next to me. I'm talking my shit, and for whatever reason, this one dude who we're supposed to be going against, he's pacing around the ring or whatever, and as I'm talking, he just gets like right up close to me. I have no idea why. This wasn't a part of the plan at all. He just did it. And it gave me the opportunity, you know, I was just like, hey, man, six feet, social distancing. Just can you just a little bit of thank you. And then I finished off my little heel deal where I basically set them up to get the shit kicked out of them. Uh, and we ran through them, uh, literally. That might have been the strongest my team has ever looked. Uh, squash match to the hilt. Uh, we accidentally busted one of them open in the lip. Uh, <laughs> so... It was a pretty fun night for us, but a rough night for the two young guys that uh, drew the short straw and got in the ring with the Blood Brothers uh, unsuspectingly. One of them didn't find out he was getting in the ring with us till that day. So that uh, lesson to be learned to all you young cats out there. Make sure you know who you're wrestling before you agree to just jump in the ring with them because uh, they got roughed up. Yeah. So that's going to be fun to see on YouTube. I can't wait to share that one around because that one made us look fantastical. Uh, everyone seemed to enjoy it. We got the immediate invite back, obviously, because we're us. Uh, so that's going to be another date coming up for ULW on that one. And, of course, uh, for GSW, there is a big two-night event that I am both happy and not happy about because that means I have to do two back-to-back -back events in Asbury Park. And uh, I'm not so happy about that. I've I've done back-to-back -back events at Asbury Park before, and it's not a fun drive from where I'm at. So I'm not entirely looking forward to it, but it should be fun. So check that out. GSWPro.com uh, is for all the stuff going on with Global Syndicate Wrestling. And uh, UpperLimitWrestling.com is where you can catch all the upcoming information for ULW. And that was the weekend there. So I just wanted to, because I've been pushing these shows for the last few weeks, so I just want to let everybody know that it went well. Uh, I'm the one that didn't uh, that didn't get busted up, so that's cool. We're having a contest now, because I finally got raised to figure out, as a big man, he shouldn't be taking bumps. So the last show that we had, uh, I'm the manager, but I got hit, so I took a bump. So we were making the joke this past weekend that, you know, I think it's only fair that I receive raises pay, as opposed to... The other way around, because, you know, I, I took more bumps than he did. Yeah, well, yeah. that's not how you're going to get him to stop taking yeah. bumps. By making him feel like <laughs> shit about not taking bumps. It's like, you know, you didn't really take a bump the last time. I took a bump, so I'm thinking the pay should be the other way around, you know, whatever, whatever. No, but they get it. They're starting to understand it. We're vibing right now. Uh, it's been a while since they've been a regular tag team, so now we're on match three. Uh, match four coming up very soon, so uh, more information on that as we uh, – get closer to dates because uh whenever i discuss them on the show i give you guys the dates to shows that i'm doing that is completely 100 percent confirmed that means that we've got a spot to do something and that the money's been agreed to so i got half of that so far so when i get the other half 
You guys will be up on the information. You'll be able to check me out, do my thing on the road, which is another fun part. I like being on the road. I like that. I don't like long distances. It can get a little, uh, you know, too much of a good thing. But 45 minutes, hour, hour and a half, two hours, three hours, I dig it. Anything close, anything past four, you're starting to push my limit. Right. I'm getting old now, and I just don't feel the need to be on the road like that. But recently, a lot of our bookings, 45 minutes, hour and 15 minutes, it hasn't been really crazy. So, 45 minutes kidding. isn't bad. That's, no, not that's really. Not no. bad, man. That's not even a full podcast episode. No, it's really not. I mean, 45 minutes, I'm basing that on distance from me to my house, but then you got to figure in. I got to go from Brooklyn to Manhattan to pick up Rays, and I got to go from Manhattan to a different section of Jersey. To pick up Mercy, and then I gotta drive to the venue. And then yeah, but you're in the city at that point. That doesn't hurt as bad than just the city is the only part that makes the travel sucky. Because I that's where all the traffic is. If I leave to the venue on my own, just from where I'm located, right, I can get to Jersey. Look at the split. I probably more than likely won't hit any traffic. Right, but having to go pick up this fat asshole in fucking Manhattan that fucks everything up. Right, and then I gotta go and and then figure it out from there. So who fucking knows. So anyway, yeah, that's the that's the catch up on that one. I was letting you guys know how all that went. Uh, check out the replays on that. I and mean, I'm waiting for ULW to send me a link for that show, and then uh, we can get that out. But I, when I, while I was over here living the dream, uh, some big news mm-hmm. hit the wave wire here. And don't 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 uh, don't get ahead of yourselves out there. This is not breaking news for us here at Orsini's Uncensored Mind. I was trying to find the episode earlier so I could reference it, but I couldn't find the exact number or the exact episode where we talked about this. But we brought this up with the mm-hmm. supposed forbidden door with uh, the WWE. And, well, not even with the WWE, with AEW and New Japan and AEW and Impact Wrestling. I think that was where we really started. The TNA one, yeah. The, that's where it all started, with, with AEW with, and Impact doing their thing. And we said on the podcast, man, it, it would actually make more sense if I'm New Japan to start talking to WWE. And we even came up with a few you know, dream match scenarios that we thought it would be kind of interesting to see. You know, and, and we really, we thought then, he was like, well, if, I mean, if I'm New Japan at this point, I've tried working with American companies on a lower level. Why not shoot for the stars here? I don't know what kind of agreement they could come to, but if you could, it'd be beneficial. So here we are. Fast forward, I don't even know what how many months now, and we're here. <laughs> the WWE and New Japan Pro Wrestling apparently are having conversations. Nick Khan who is uh, one of the vice presidents, I believe, or CEOs. He has some high-ass fucking position in WWE. Apparently, he's been talking to New Japan for two months. Believe it. I'm surprised it's not longer. I'm su- So your surprise is not, has not been longer than the well, last conversation take longer, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, they're probably they're probably not going to solve anything anytime soon. They, they have to work. In order for this to work. Oh, we're looking at the beginning. We're just, oh, yeah. we're just in the first two months. Oh, yeah. If you guys were excited about last year's WrestleMania, I sense something brewing here. Right. Uh, there, there could be some really good, interesting things coming up in WWE and New Japan in the next few months. Paul Green, are you there? Going both ways. Oh, yeah, I'm still here. Oh, I'm still here. here he's vibing, bro. He's yeah, vibing. He's vibing right now. I know. Paul, Paul Green. He I, has, I, well, I wanted to ask Paul Green real quick. Oh, did you hear any of these rumors about New Japan and WWE? I heard, heard some. Heard some. 
any interest? And is there anything that you would be interested in seeing? Should the forbidden door really be open? Because this is the real forbidden door. This one. There is no door in wrestling. WWE is the only one that's had a door to everybody else. Mm -hmm. And it's been closed for forever. All the indie companies, all the secondary companies have all managed to work with somebody along the way. There's never really been a forbidden door. But the WWE has had a door. Now it seemingly seems it seems that seemingly seems uh, that was an accident, but it seems that uh, there could be some movement on this. Is there any interest from a, a casual end uh, of these two companies do any real business? A little bit, a little bit. What would interest you? Um, I want to see which. Uh, well, I already obviously know WWE guys are going to be heavily protected. Oh, and whatever Jesus. crossover they decide to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to see the, the clash in styles. Ooh. I have one match. There's only really one match I really give a shit about that I would really, 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 really want to see. I would love to see Randy Orton and Tanahashi. That's the Ooh. one. The ace versus the current ace of WWE. I would love to see that one. I, I don't really have too many other dream matches that I would really care about. When it comes to WWE, I, I love the idea that we're even talking about this, but as far as dream matches go, that would be interesting. Dave, you said before that you really didn't, it really didn't move you before that Forbidden Door deal. Does this move you any better? What do you mean didn't move me? It did, I mean, you didn't okay. release, when you, we did AEW well, I don't Impact, know too much like, in New Japan, right? So right. this is only exciting for those who understand New Japan and have... Uh, have dream matches that they're probably interested in seeing. But if you don't understand what any of this means at all, it's just more people to see. And, you know, it might draw some attention on both sides. I would at imagine. least for curiosity's sake. Right. It'll bring more people into the scene. But for people of my wrestling fandom, that this won't really – it doesn't – it'll be cool if it comes out cool. But it, there's no hype behind it for me anyway, and obviously. I- and I think sometimes people get killed for saying stuff like that, where it's like as a wrestling person, right? If you take a hardcore wrestling fan and you tell them, hey, WWE and New Japan are having talks again. Because remember back in the early 90s and late 80s, they had many talks. I remember. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that. They, yeah, they had a relationship in the past. Right. So now them revisiting this, uh, you tell a hardcore wrestling fan this. And they, I don't think it's physically possible for them to be more erect at the news. But if right. you tell someone who listens, <laughs> who watches Raw and SmackDown occasionally and, and watches this product from afar, what the fuck do they care about anything related to any other company than the one? Like if, as long as they're on the show, they don't really care. Non-WWE, WWE right. is like just well, put it in front of me. From I'll, that perspective, it could only hurt, right? So I have watched a little bit of New Japan that you had me watch and stuff like that. And the big issue that I find is that if they don't, if they don't either have their guys wrestle each other on their event or have the proper guys matched up, I think it can only hurt because the styles are so dramatically different that I think it could cause confusion and uh, immediate dislike towards uh, New Japan in general because of just the way they wrestle and they're animated and the way they scream and all that stuff. There would have to be some shift in style uh, if we put – uh, the two companies actually against each other, like you said, like Orton versus the the other guy you said, Tanahashi. Yeah, like it would the the personalities would have to match for it to make sense to the person like me, because if I'm watching someone like 
Bray Wyatt wrestle a guy like Omega style that's very animated and stuff like that. It's oh, just dude. not going to make any sense to me. Never let any of that happen. I don't want a single Fiend match against. Any Listen, of I'm just I'm just trying to literally come up with an opposite style. You know what I mean? You I, know someone's going to sit here and they go, "Oh my God, Osprey Ricochet." Uh oh, the rematch. <laughs> Which, like you said, a style shift. They will not be allowed to do half of the shit that they did before in a WWE ring. It right. Will, it will not it be allowed. Would just, it would just have to make sense. I mean, <laughs> I know the excitement of seeing a New Japan guy wrestle your WWE guy is can heavily outweigh, you know, can make up for a lot of that style difference. But for the average person, it's just not really going to make sense. Do, do you <laughs> guys think that this could inversely affect – WWE in a negative way in the sense of when people do get a load of these New Japan guys, whether they st- change the style or not, just the presentation of them, just the way that they – because you've seen some – you saw some of the Wrestle Kingdom entrances, right? Like just the way that they present themselves, their music, the the charisma of some of these individuals to step into a WWE television scenario where now fans are seeing these type of talents next to – like Elias or next to fuck like these boring characters these 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 the WWE right now has almost no interest uh amongst casual fans the only people really keeping it afloat in all honesty are people who are going to who are watching this out of routine now you influx these brand a whole all, seemingly <laughs> roster full of just these colorful ass characters mm-hmm. can can that draw atten- more attention to new japan than it would the WWE A little bit, a little bit. I think I think the WWE will have to have their two Japanese wrestlers at the forefront in wrestling the best matches. I think Nakamura and Asuka would have to lead that charge against the New Japan wrestlers. Oh I forgot Nakamura was in WWE. God, mm-hmm. damn. <laughs> he, he he's getting a little push now. Again on SmackDown, oh, and I think, I think they if, forgot they had him too. It's probably yes. Oh shit, this guy's here. <laughs> if if Nakamura, if they continue to push, let's say this crossover happens within the next six months, yeah. Nakamura can regain the momentum he originally had when he first got to WWE, and then hype up, yeah. And Oscar, who seems to be lost in the Charlotte shuffle on Raw, could have a renewed sense of. Of push to get fans regenerated in her because the Empress was the hottest thing at one point. She didn't; she was undefeated until she ran into the Queen. You know that 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 can regenerate some interest. And then some of the other minor feuds, like um, I was reading uh, the Bullet Club is uh talking smack to the Tribal Chief and his uh family little twitter exchange going back and forth there the fucking bullet club refuses to fucking die (laughs) i get it they're still kind of big in new New japan but i'm like bro just stop man i'm not gonna lie the gorillas of destruction would be dope in wwe short term short term like if they were it's like when you visit family everything's great because you know at some point you're gonna fucking leave i get it but the gods of destruction i don't even know what tag team does the wwe have where that would even be, like, who, who the Usos? Us- is that the Usos and the Gods of Destruction? Can we do that? Yeah, Samoa, that's, that's Samoan on Samoan uh, crime? That's what they were twittering, beefing about. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Nobody realer than Gorilla. I like the song. That shit is dope. 
Nobody realer than Gorilla. It is hot. Yeah, so uh, WWE and New Japan having these conversations, I think, is that I think it's it's something that could end up being something better than what we got because that forbidden door bullshit is caca. This is a platter of liquid shits. Nothing has come from it. What it does for the culture is probably going to be more impactful than what it actually going to do like on TV or what it translates for the company. I don't think this is a win or loss for WWE, uh, depending on how it goes as far as trying to get more inches from this side over there. It could hurt them, depending, like I said, about the style thing. Uh, but as far as WWE specifically, I think they're fine o- over here. I mean, if they're, obviously they have interest in getting some eyeballs from over there as well. But yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's all speculation. All speculation. It was. It's. It's fun to talk about because I just. I never thought I'd be having this conversation again. I think that's the thing, though, man. That's the thing. Everyone's been kind of waiting for, or you know, hardcore fans have been looking forward for this or wanting the opportunity of this to see some of those matchups. So, if anything, I think it's super awesome for those guys who've been looking forward for this for years. Yeah. Somebody has to show Vince some of that Wrestle Kingdom presentation because that shit is hot. Yeah, uh, it's it's the one show of the year I definitely watch. I'll watch some things here and there, uh, but Wrestle Kingdom is the one show I think everybody watches. So that's interesting. And I think this past year, uh, Dave was your first Wrestle Kingdom, correct? Yeah, I'm I'm building stamina for it, but I did <laughs> enjoy it. It was long, but I did enjoy it, and I'm looking forward to watch it again when it happens. So another piece of side news, just really quickly, July 16th uh, is the beginning of the WWE getting back on the road. Uh, no more Thunderdome. We're putting people back in this past Wednesday on AEW's uh, Dynamite event. Uh, Daly's Place had a full house. No sectioned off seats. All Everyone back breathing and coughing and shitting all over each other again. Uh, are, are, is it time? Are we ready? Is this it? Are we done with all this COVID uh, precaution thing? The numbers are down across the board. Everyone seems ready to go. How about you guys? You guys ready to? Are you guys ready to be seeing this shit again? Seeing what? Oh, like Just live? I'm hyped for of, it. Yeah, is it? Is Dude, it gonna change I can't your freaking. We don't let that some bitch come this way. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I want to go so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm a little afraid. Yeah, to, uh, to go back into the venue with uh, all those people. Well, it's, it's not so much about the fans. I'm worried about certain wrestlers. Oh, you're right. Some of them are contagious and will give the audience shit. I get you. <laughs> I mean, there are a good question. Is there anybody that's kind of doing well right now that might fall off because they're torn? Uh, some of the guys, I think. Right now, like Drew, Drew's push hurt without the fans. I don't know about that. I think Bobby might suffer with the fans because the hurt business was over at a certain point, and then they broke them up. So they don't have his, his him and MVP don't have as much momentum going as they did four or five months ago. I think the hurt business with a live crowd would have been. Great. Well, they're about to learn something really quick. We're about to see it live. We're about to feel it in the building. These fucking piped in sounds they want to do that they had a chance to do this whole time to uh, manipulate 
you know, the feeling of what it's supposed to get across, that shit going to hit different live. I can't wait to feel it. I want to see who's getting booed the hell out of here, who they make it look like they're doing well on this uh, with the piped in noise. and everything Yeah, they've like been that. able to kind of control their own narrative. Correct. For the last uh, year, basically. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say a few months, but I think it's been a full year since the piped in noise. If WrestleMania take, yeah. was supposed to be a litmus test of where these characters stood, I think you, you guys are right. There's gonna be there's gonna be some shock on whose character worked and whose didn't. Right. Uh, I got great responses from people who were in the building when Drew came out for his entrance. He was the first guy out. That building went absolutely banana sandwich. But again, what do I always tell you guys? That first entrance, if fucking Hitler came out first. They gotta go fucking crazy because it's the first fucking thing. So, who knows? I think I think Bobby's in trouble because I don't. Bobby doesn't do anything at all that relates him to being a fucking heel at all. He is a cool looking badass, and I think he's gonna get cheered for that. Which is funny that you say that because my buddy said he's having me personally no, but my buddy said that he's having a hard time watching Drew right now. He doesn't like face Drew. He prefers heel Drew, which is true. Uh, I liked I liked Face Drew when he was the champion. I don't like Face Drew on the chase. Chase, chase because it doesn't look right. Right. He's a six foot eight Scottish psychopath. What the fuck are we doing with this white meat baby face bullshit? You're trying. I don't know. I don't get it. But he's yeah. gonna get his ass kicked at Hell in a Cell anyway, and he'll move to the back of the line, and maybe we'll see him go off into a different direction. Right. Who knows? But here's the one guy I promise you is really in trouble when the audience comes back, and that's Roman Reigns. Because mm. Roman Reigns, as a babyface, got booed. When he gets back into that building, they're going to cheer him because he's awesome right now. He is. So, <laughs> Everyone dude, fucking that, loves this. I didn't know we were going to talk about this at all, but, man, remember, you know how I feel about Roman Reigns. Absolutely, this yeah. got me. And not only that, you ready for this? You ready for me to blow your fucking mind? Uh-oh. I'll fuck with the Usos right oh, now. Oh, no. Man. The whole the whole oh. team's got you, <laughs> dude. I, I just like I just like what they're doing. Like I, I'm not the like I'm not the most hype about their acting or whatever the case may be. I don't like the way they come to the ring sometimes. But I don't know, man. This whole thing that they're going on right now, I fuck with it. It's it's interesting. I, That's I'm, what I'm, I'm saying. They gotta have an issue because this shit is hot. And who's yeah. gonna who's gonna boo this? I wouldn't boo it. I wouldn't. Not right now. <laughs> and that's saying a lot, dude. You know, I'm going to fucking hate Roman. Oh, man. Yeah, no, I just wanted to bring that out real quick because it came to my head as we were talking about this Forbidden Door stuff. Is like I, I started thinking about the fan reaction to it, and that's when it hit me in the head. Oh, shit. We're getting right. fans back. This is a thing. I just recently, over the weekend myself, I, 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 the first time I started doing shows again with GSW, we had an empty building. So we were kind of taping things like you would a television show. It was all in pieces and da-da-da-da-da. And we've incrementally stepped it up in this past weekend. I mean, both shows, I mean, fans, right? Just no real restriction other than COVID stuff. So, like, mask mandates and stuff like that. But other than that, everyone's free to do whatever it is they want to fucking do. And I was like, woo, okay, all right, we're getting back into the real shit. Which was great for me because I love cutting in ring promos. That's my favorite. I love cutting the promo. I can cut a promo in front of the camera all fucking day. But nothing beat nothing beats doing that shit when they're sitting right in front of you. Yeah, because I could sure. insult that motherfucker right to his fat fucking face. 
Mm. There's not a fucking thing that. There's always a fat face in there. There's always a fat face or a fat lady face. You can can count on that. Yeah, I can either make fun of the fat guy, I can make fun of the fat woman, or I can make Mm. fun of the skinny guy who isn't man enough to fuck the fat woman. I can go either way with this. Yeah, there's a plethora of options. Yeah, when it comes to (laughs) obesity, it's a rich area. You can play with this. For sure. Stay within the caloric intake area of insults. That's my Mm -hmm. that's my plan of attack when it comes to promos. Mm-hmm. Kind of uh, like a cheap pop. Kind of like, well, you know what? Some of it's kind of expensive because some of these people get really hot when you uh, when you do that. Because you got to insult them to their face, and then you see them when you walk to your car. You're like, hey, it's a, hi, and you just mm. kind of keep going. I told I told the guys, I said, we got to start parking away from the building, bro, because I'm going to start saying some wild shit, and I don't need people fucking with my car. <laughs> it's a, that's a legit fear for me because I used to hear stories from people throwing rocks through windows and shit. I'm like, bro, I'm not trying to get. I'm not. I want the heat, but I'm not trying to. I don't, my car should not get that kind of heat. My car <laughs> is not. It plays no role in this. That's funny. No role in this. And as far as relationship with the fans, sometimes the fans uh, have their hearts in the right place. Mm. And then sometimes they let their brains take over, and it takes them in odd directions. And the one, That's the one guy, good. the one guy I thought would would not be the voice of reason. If you were to say, AJ, please give me a top fifty of guys that you would think when it comes to addressing the fans would be the most logical and would be the most fair, the guy we're about to talk about would not make that list. I'm thinking to myself, there's no way this is the guy I'm thinking of that I worked with, that I knew. But here we are, Rob Van Dam playing hero here, or at least attempting to, despite all of his efforts. Did you guys get a chance to see these links that I sent you? I saw about, I saw quite a bit of it. And thus, there was any new ones. I saw a lot of that stuff when, that when it happened. happened. Right. Paul mm-hmm. Green, did you right. get a chance? Because I, I hit the Facebook. I was like, yo, oh. am I out of bounds for this? And I got no. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm moving on. Moving <laughs> <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> like, on. Absolutely. I, I, I did get a chance, and I was shocked at RVD. Shocked at RVD. Okay. So we wait, might... wait, 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 wait. In what manner? Yeah, what do you mean by shocked? What did he do? I was shocked that he took his stance. He doesn't seem like the most outspoken guy in the world. Did you agree with him? Some of his, he made some valid points. Yeah. Okay, let's discuss. <laughs> well, no. First and foremost, I think we should make it very, very clear that Rob Van Dam did not portray himself as speaking for every WWE superstar who has ever existed. He's only really talking about his own situation. And a lot of his defense for things, he was more or less speaking about himself. Right. But I think that is the strongest point in the entire argument because the thought process amongst fans for years has always been that it's the evil empire. They control everything. You're a prisoner in this place, and there's not much you can do. And RVD sitting here going, nah, nah, I was happy, bro. Like, I was just doing my thing, and that's this, 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 this. He's proof positive they don't always own your name. He's proof positive that, he, that, that not everybody here is depressed and sad and prisoner and, oh, no, fucking creative. He's proof positive that independent contractor can mean something when you spin it in your direction. He made a lot of solid points. Dave, what was your takeaway from these comments that RVD made? That he just kind of proved my point. I mean, we've had discussions like this before. I think uh, recently with the late the girl that got fired because of her social media. Oh, uh, Zelina Vega. Yes. So we've had this 
the somewhat topic of a discussion about right. that, about uh, signing contracts, paying attention to what you're signing to, not yes. just signing because you want to sign. Yeah. And at the, like, if at the end of the day, you're going to sign no matter what, you really, you don't have the leverage that you think you do in negotiation. Yep. Because at the end of the day, they're just going to keep trying you until eventually you get tired of it and give in. But he's speaking from a perspective like, hey, I don't want your insurance. I don't want you to give me anything but a place to wrestle on my terms with what I want to get outside of wrestling. I want that freedom. I am an independent contractor. I work for myself. I do not work for the WWE. I work for me. And in order for you to be that, you have to take full control of everything. And not a lot of people want to do that. They want the cushy job. Uh, while also still having the title and that's not how it works. So he negotiated his own contract to the way that he saw fit for himself. And it sounds to me like he was happy with what he got. And he's one Mm -hmm. of the few rare ones where he was in a position to control that narrative when it came to negotiation. He said it in one of the, uh, the tweets that he sent out, which, uh, let me backpedal for just a second. That's what we're talking about here. RVD, uh, Sorry, we just got really into this. Yeah, I just went off heavy. My bad, my bad. But it's fine. Yeah, no, 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 it's fine. But but what we're talking about here is that RVD took to Twitter on two separate occasions. Uh, I linked you guys to both of those. One where he was defending the WWE against fan criticism based on the piece done by John Oliver in the last week tonight show, which I'm a huge fan of. I saw that. I love that shit. Yeah, I saw that piece. Every night. I saw that piece live, and that piece came out almost two years ago. So I'm curious as to why he felt the need to defend it now, but I digress. It doesn't really matter. And uh, the other one where people were directly attacking the label of independent contractor, which people were continuously, and even when he's saying it, that's the part that kills me. Here's not just a WWE superstar. He's one of the WWE superstars. Like His run was insane. Time. I've been yeah. watching it lately. His like of run all was time. Nuts. And yeah. he's telling these fans... It's not what you think, guys. Look, I actually liked the idea that they did X, Y, Z, and I negotiated for myself A, B, C, and we made it work. So, no, it's not a situation of they're dictating this and dictating that, and he said it himself. No one makes you sign these contracts. There's no gun to your head. You negotiate a deal that you find appropriate for yourself. If you can't agree, you don't sign the fucking deal. But the problem is a lot of these motherfuckers go on YouTube and they go all over the social media shit and talk about how WWE is their dream. I've always dreamed of being in WWE. I'm glad you're saying that publicly because now that means that they know they got you. They can lowball you to death and there's nothing that you're going to say fucking no to because at the end of the day, you want to be here so fucking bad. Right? That's, That's that Mark fucking mentality. So it's like... Like me, for instance, I say it all the time on my fucking show. I have no desire to be there because I don't have, I don't, I'm not willing to sacrifice what it takes to be successful there. Right. So I'm not going to waste my time. I'm making my own money, my own way, living my own fucking life. I don't need to be there. So I say whatever the fuck I want to say on my program about them, and I don't really give a fuck about that. If I were, if they were to go against the grain and go, you know what? Out of nowhere, I've just decided he's a really great talker. We could use him in some way, and they offered me a deal. I would negotiate my deal. Predominantly for me, my biggest thing on my deal would be dates. That would be my biggest thing. I wouldn't even give a shit about the money, to be honest with you. I'm worried about dates. Where do I need to be? How long do I need to be there? What's my tour schedule like? That's the stuff that I would negotiate. 
And when you negotiate contracts, you got to give in order for you to receive. Right? So they're probably right. going to get me on the money because I'm. what leverage do I have mm-hmm. on that? Mm-hmm. But I can negotiate the dates. But you're leading right into the next point, right? Like, right. okay, your first contract, you're big, you want to get there, you're going to sacrifice some stuff, you may get paid less, yada, yada, yeah, yada. And I feel me. like this is what RVD did. He had a backing. He went there. He did what he had to do. He probably, I'm sure he negotiated something. He probably got lowballed. He went there. He showed his value, and I'm sure he got more money in the long run. Yeah. But the problem with that is now you're gambling on yourself and a lot of people are not going to fucking do that well, a lot of you know, and to be fair a lot of people can't thing and they're going to move and they're going to try to then earn their way up the ladder which now you're already in a bad contract so if you're not absolutely amazing you got that scotty pippen deal Right. If you're not, hey, but what did Scotty Pippen say? He he understood what he was doing, though. Yeah. He's spoken on that. Yeah. He said, he said I, I had to take the because money. Because yeah. I had to, I could not risk my knees. I knew they were bad. So I had to take every dime that I could get. But right. then that's still negotiating. And then about three, yeah, he still negotiated a deal of some kind. You don't just go to Vince's office and he puts a piece of paper in front of you and you go, okay, that's it. And you just sign it and that's it. No, there is a conversation that takes place. And believe me, folks, if you walk into the WWE's office and you look at their deal and you attempt to negotiate and they just keep fucking lowballing you, you can tell them, uh, no, this doesn't really work for me and fucking leave. And you're not off their fucking radar. You're not. If you still have value, they will come back to you. 100%. But people think this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. They may never talk to me again. They may not. But if they don't, that's not a, that's not a symbolism of, of, of them. It's more or less how good or bad you are as a performer. Right. Because if you have value after that meeting, they're going to come back. There's a lot of people who are in WWE who had multiple attempts at contracts, who have been fired in the past and come back, you know? Remember, once upon a time, they didn't know what to do with Drew McIntyre. You know, AJ Styles had a contract on the table and told them no. There's a lot of ways to do this. You don't have to just buck up and just, eh. And then these fans, well, it's not fair that people lose their jobs. Okay, look, outside of the WWE, just for a second, just for employment purposes, everyone loses their fucking job at some point in time. Everyone. No one goes on for infinity and beyond with the same fucking job. Some people go to the job for 50 years. Somebody go to their job for five months. Shit happens. And in this particular case with independent contractors, nobody here lost a job. They lost the booking. That's it. They leave here. They go back to the system they were in Losing before. a contract isn't the same thing as losing a job. It is. And I don't think that's what people don't, people don't understand that. Yeah, they think that these people are going to the unemployment line now. No, oh, they're, they're going to the soup kitchen. Yeah, they're and, going and, to the next they, booking that yeah, I'm sure there's a fucking plethora of in their DMs. Oh, yeah. Uh, as soon as the waiver wire hit, oh, Peyton Royce released. Guess what? Pornhub was it. right there. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's a million different ways that you could go. This isn't the end of the road for literally anyone. Okay, I get that you want to stand up for the rights of those and blah, blah, blah. And not for nothing, there are some wrestlers who do go out there and make it public that they feel a certain way. They were used, that they were led astray, that they were lied to. And then fans take that and they sprinkle it and they just spread it over the whole thing. And that's not how that works. 
There are plenty of people who work within the structure of WWE that are just fine with everything that's going on. They're just fine with it. Right. So you need to come to grips with that. It's not your world, is what I'm trying to say. I I would I brought this up to talk about on the show because not 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 just for the subject matter, but fucking RVD's the one. You're letting a pothead school you on fucking Dude, Twitter. You disrespecting potheads, oh, man. You're the God. best thinkers of all time. He, he, well, and he's king pothead. That's it. He, they, he, that's all he does is rip he's, and fucking think about the shit. greatest pothead athlete since Michael Phelps. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Apparently, weed is us. Is, is they need to start putting that on the human growth hormone list of banned substances? Because when you're a weed smoker, for God's sakes, your athleticism is ridiculous. Matt Riddle's out there killing the game right now. He's high twenty four seven. Listen, I love it, man. Huge <laughs> Matt Riddle fan. Huge Matt Riddle fan. Huge, 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 huge. We have uh, our main event conversation today. We've got to break this down here. Uh, so let's talk about it. Uh, the big man conversation. So we were doing uh, something or another, and it came up. We were talking about Kane. Uh, was it the Hall of Fame or something? I don't remember. We were talking about Kane, and we were like, you know, one day we're really going to have to sit down and have a conversation about some of these big guys that have been in the industry because our hardcore wrestling fan base here. They have many different styles that they enjoy in pro wrestling, obviously. The best wrestlers in the world, all subjective. The styling, all subjective, right? But I like, when I was growing up and when you guys were growing up as well, we grew up old school WWF and we grew up on the big athlete. That's what we grew up on. So to see them as an adult now, when I watch big athletes, I still get wowed by the fact that these big-ass, 300-plus-pound motherfuckers can move the way that they fucking move. It's astounding to me. Right. I'm managing a 400-pound wrestler right now who does a spinning heel kick. I don't get it. I can't do it. I have issues getting out of my car. This motherfucker is wheelhouse kicking. So who fucking knows? But I always appreciated that, the attraction of it. So I always wanted to have the conversation as to who were some of the best Big men. I don't. It didn't have a particular ranking system in mind. I just wanted to have the conversation. So as I started preparing us for this big man conversation, I stumbled upon something that I thought would be a nice little anchor system for us, something to really dig our teeth into. And apparently, I wasn't even aware of this until I started searching this week. The WWE has a list that they made all to themselves. And it's at a hefty list. The 30 best big men in wrestling history. And I wanted us to talk about this particular list. It names a lot of the people, let's face it, that we were going to fucking talk about anyway. So let's bring some of these guys into light. Let's talk about them. Let's uh, talk about uh, what effect these individuals had in the industry, what they had on us any personal memories that we have of these individuals, a lot like we did when we had the History Month stuff, or we could just kind of go down this list and just put our two cents in there. So Dave mm-hmm. is going to bring us down the list here. He's going to control the helm here for a little while, and he's going to break it all down for us as to who's on this list. All right, so let's discuss this. So this is WWE's list. Like, this is their personal yeah. Which he wants third. you to know for well, sure because he shit on it the minute he saw it. 
Yeah, well, it makes the top the top end. I didn't shit on it. They just got one thing wrong. But anyway, the very ending, uh, it makes sense that that's the case. Uh, so yeah, let's just start from thirty. We got thirty ones to go through. So we'll start with uh, Kamala. Ooh. So Kamala is the one. Like when I see in my like earliest memory of uh, not earliest, but obviously because I didn't watch this him live, or whatever. But like of you watching like older wrestling and stuff like that. Yeah, he's one of the first like big guys that I remember seeing that stood out because of all the the face paint and stuff like that, and how yes. large of a man he was. But that's my earliest memory of him. I don't I don't really know too much about his career, but you guys can shine some light on that. Paul Green, <laughs> do you remember who walked to the ring with Kamala? Oh, wasn't it Harvey Whippleman? It, uh, yes, at one point it was. He was more of the mouse, the mouthpiece. But do you remember the guy in the mask? Mm. I don't remember who. No, I don't. Kim Chi. Oh wow! Yes, this is the three hundred and seventy-five pound bulk of the Ugandan giant. So you know he mm-hmm. had to be in the big man conversation. I know Paul Gray. Talk to me about your history with. Uh, uh, with Kamala. My fondest memories of Kamala was being scared of the Undertaker <laughs> and the urn. Oh. Every time he saw the urn, he would quiver in fear like a big man shouldn't. Uh huh. He's playing up the gimmick. Yep, giving the Undertaker the power. Everybody had a uh, little bit of fear with Taker, right? Didn't Yoko fear the casket? It was like a yeah, uh, like a claustrophobic thing with him, and just yeah, exactly. Uh, Kamala was, well, he was a great, well, I wouldn't say great wrestler. He was a good wrestler. Yeah. Put on a good show. Yeah, he was an entertaining performer. You know, one of the <laughs> the, the few few uh, guys that, you know, uh, well, he was one of the first big men that I saw actually, you know, do a dive off the ropes. Mm-hmm. He was an that was big man. Yes. That was pretty impressive. Like at ten years old, watching a guy that size fly through the air with such grace and land all that belly on you. Well, all of that belly, that bulk. Just a quick little trivia thing about Kamala. Do either of you know who it was who originated the face paint? Do you know the guy who gave him his face paint, who put that on him for the first time? Oh, there's no way I would freaking know that. Nah. That would be one Jerry the King Lawler. Jerry the he King did the paint for him? Yes, he did. Uh, wow. uh, Kamala began his career in the Memphis Territory, and uh, they needed an attraction, and they loved the guy. He was a cool dude, and they said, hey, we're going we're gonna to do – because, you know, Jerry's an artist. He, he, does, that. he does a lot of drawings and stuff. He's very, very good. He came up with the original face paint and the, and the stars on the chest and the moon on his belly and all that stuff. Jerry did that. That's that cool. was a Jerry Lawler original. He's like, yeah, we're going to put him on TV. Because, you know, Jerry can't just be a wrestler. He controlled Memphis. <laughs> him and uh, <laughs> him and Jerry went down there and did their band business. And uh, Kamala, yeah, Kamala made him some big noise down there. Uh, speaking of big, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, that was, uh, that, was, that was cool. Some little fun facts there. I like that. <laughs> Number 29, Haystacks Cal- Calhoun. Calhoun. Was in there, right? Yes. Calhoun. I Calhoun. thought this man was a myth, bro. When I was a kid, I didn't think he was real. 
Because somebody was like, yeah, he was, there was a, uh, who was it? I remember in school, someone was like, you ever heard of the 600-pound wrestler? I was like, get the fuck out of here. There's no human being who's 600 pounds. <laughs> and sure enough, I, the, I, this was a long time ago, so I didn't really see Based on this image, the, the, one, the guy next to him looks like he's pushing seven. Yeah, I know. The ring had to be enforced that night. I don't know what the hell's going on with this. That's the combined circumference between the two of them is at least Jupiter. That is weird. <laughs> But yeah, he was. Oh, look, look, I was right. 600 pounder and then. uh, Happy Humphrey right next to him. 800 pounds. 800 pounds. (laughs) Happy Humphrey. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy Happy Humphrey. Humphrey. 1,400 pounds between them. How are they standing on their feet? (laughs) Yeah, I remember hearing stories of that. They used to have to, uh, because of his size, uh, after matches, you know how the boys always shower after their matches? They had to hose him down. Oh, wow. They had to hose him outside. (laughs) It was too much. They had to oh get him outside, God. and they would have he would have handlers like people. Who's on Who's on cheat duty? Yeah, that well, they, not just not just the the hose outside, but throughout the course of the event, whenever he would get booked, it'd be some guy who would have to help him with whatever menial things he needed, you know, like boots, tie those boots up, and all that stuff and stuff. Helped with his bag and stuff. He's just a big dude. Can you imagine having to pick this fucker up from the airport? Jesus oh, wow. Christ. Where I don't have a car that could yeah, support the weight. A, you'd need a pickup. At least. Jesus. But yeah, this I mean, his guy completely fits in the uh in the big man category. And according to this too, former WWE World Tag Team Champion with Tony Gurria. Oh man, I can't live my life without hearing that name at least once a month. Fucking Tony Gurria. We need some more Tony Gurria love on this show. That's my fault. That's I take responsibility for that. Anybody here? He's an older cat, so I didn't think you guys had much of a memory attached to Haystacks Calhoun. You guys got any memories? Not me, no. No? (laughs) I've only ever saw him in one match, and that was against Mr. Fuji. My dad showed me that. Oh, Oh, nice. Mr. Fuji. My dad, my dad loved Fuji as a manager, and he was like, you know, Fuji used to wrestle, right? And I said, no, he didn't. That guy? And he showed me some old, old footage. And I'm like, who the hell is this monster that he's wrestling? <laughs> I was like, he's Hillbilly Jim on 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 no diet. On no diet. <laughs> on no diet. <laughs> not even attempting. They're not lying to nope. themselves. Fuck it. Nope. Oh, We're Jesus. going all in on this. <laughs> so right, who we got up. on number 28? Viscera. Big Daddy V. Oh, Big Daddy V. Now <laughs> I he's had a couple of gimmicks, right? Yes, right. Mm-hmm. He debuted uh, as Mabel, and th- there you go. That's the one I was thinking of. Man on a and mission. <laughs> did he do something with Undertaker? Yes. Yes. Like was uh, he like a? Uh, I'm just trying. I'm literally. Just, I'm. I'm just trying to remember stuff as I'm literally. That's talking. fine. Paul Green, I don't, you I'm not against, but like with, right? Uh, no, against. Uh, against. Yes. Okay, okay. Uh, Paul Green, I remember, remember him that? having like a, a dark themed thing yeah. as well. This oh one. no! Wait, 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 wait. Uh, he was with Undertaker. He was with Undertaker as well. As, yeah, as part of the ministry. Yes, you are. Right. right. Okay. See, I'm not bugging. Look at no, me but... thinking I know shit about wrestling. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Paul Green, but do you remember Paul Green, the original feud between uh, Mabel and Taker? Yeah. Um, a few weeks ago, I was watching. Uh... The WWE's little locker 
clear storage clean out Undertaker found the mask that he put on after Mabel crushed his face with a leg drop. That's Jesus. right. He crushed, he caved in his orbital bone and Taker, of course. Like for real? Taken. For real. Yeah. Shoot. yeah like, he never took he time cr- off. He crushed his shit IRL? Yes. IRL, LOL, Like instead of the, the knee, the knee lower part of Mabel's thigh connected with his face, the whole 300 pound thigh. He got, he got all the meat Taker. to the face? Yes, he did. He caught that thunder thigh. And the empty hammer pants, too, I believe. Oh, my God. Still Mabel. The disrespect. Oh, no, it gets more disrespectful because he crushes his face. And Taker comes back with the mask to to protect the uh, the orbital bones, which was a legit mask that was supposed to absorb shock. And so Taker only really took, I don't know, like maybe a few weeks. And he comes back. And Paul Bearer gets attacked by uh, all these heels, and they steal the urn, and Mabel melts the urn down and makes a gold chain out of it. Mm. So you're like, oh, dear God, no. That's the ultimate disrespect. He busts mm-hmm. your ass. He took your jewelries. He fucked you up, son. You got Damn. nothing. And then it looks so weird. Program. I don't know if you remember when uh, Taker finally beats him in the casket match, the comeuppance, and they steal uh. the... Well, right before he closes the casket, so he puts Mabel into the casket. He grabs it like he's gonna shut it, and then he realizes, no, no, no. And he digs in the casket and pulls out the gold chain, and he gives the gold chain to Paul to Paul Bearer. Closes the casket. They play his music. He turns to do his taker pose, and this is where Paul Bearer would raise the urn so he could draw his power. And this dickhead is sitting there with an actual gold Cuban link chain. In his fucking hand, it looks so ridiculous. It was it actually it wasn't even Cuban Lake. It was like old rope, like gold rope chain <laughs> shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, like some hood corner store jewelry shit. I was like, this looks ridiculous. I love but, it. But at least he whooped his ass, so that's good. That's that was a big ass casket. That was a big ass special triple XL. Do you, do you remember the old school montages with Taker in, in the steel mill beating the, the steel and, oh. and sawing the wood to build the caskets? Yes, he wouldn't even do promos at that point. He was just beating on shit. And Paul <laughs> would just do the promo. Oh, Mabel, no. My Undertaker will take you and put you in that casket, Taker. He will do it and we'll get the urn back. Oh, yes. <laughs> And he would just do it. I got a legend, man. <laughs> that, that you have a dog because he enjoyed it. Maybe my voice was too high. Yeah, that's probably. what it was. Fuck with him. He don't like that shit. Stop it. Oh uh, yeah, Babel, of course, being a former king of the ring and the pleasant holder of the worst WWE championship match in fucking WWE history between him and Kevin Nash. Mm. Oh man, the negatives versus the negatives. Who will suck the worst? Battle of the shitty. Fucking, oh, God. I'll never forget that match as long as I live. Uh, well, let's try our best to forget about it now, so let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Number okay. 27, Don Leo Jonathan. I have never seen this guy. I've never heard of him, so please enlighten me. <laughs> Paul Green. Uh, you He's an a, old head. He's old, an old, old head. We're paying some tribute here. This guy was a 50s and 60s star, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Paul Green, do you have any history with Don Leo Jonathan? Never even heard of the guy. Never even heard of the guy. The two of you, charlatans. This is why I have <laughs> Stephen James on the show a lot. <laughs> now, nah, but look, he, he they're paying respect for him because uh, his predominant reasoning for, I think, I think personally, for being on this list is because he's one of the original big men. 
Uh, big men back in the day was more of an attraction situation. You never really saw them in championship matches uh, because, as Cornette once said, if you put it on them, how are you going to get it off? Because uh, they spent most of their time, a lot of the giants, so to speak, back in the day, uh, they were at a lot of uh, uh, handicap matches where they would beat up, you know, smaller tag teams or they were just an attraction. You put them on the poster, come see the seven-foot monster, blah, 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 blah. So he's on here because he's he's really one of the first as far as here in America. You know, he, he is from the Utah area, from that Southwest type shit. So a lot of people never really saw seven foot, 340 pound motherfuckers walking through. I know that uh, as a shoot, I think he was only six, 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 eight, something like that. But, I mean, not a lot of wrestlers were that tall back in the day, so seven foot wasn't really much of a fucking stretch. But they really had him go in there and just, he was the best. He even had, according to this, rivalries with, like, Andre the Giant, Killer Kowalski, Jim Kaninsky. He had title matches against San Martino and Pedro Morales. So he was a headliner for a long while. He probably doesn't get talked about a lot. He doesn't probably get mentioned a lot because he didn't really uh, excel past the fact that he was just some big dude. But, uh, but yeah, that's pretty much his history. Mm. So, go ahead, Dave. We're on to the next one. We're on to number 26, which is going to be Crusher, Jerry Blackwell. Crusher. Crusher. The Crusher. Crusher. 400-plus <laughs> pounds, big man. He's, he's about a waffle and a half away from five bills. He was a big boy. He was 5'9", bro. So, you know, his center of gravity was fucking, he was stock. He, yeah, he's that's not really a tall. You can't no. He's wide. He's wide. Yes. That's absolutely. a wide man. Oh man. Uh Paul Green, any memories on Crusher Blackwell? Very vaguely. Once again, my, my, my dad put me on, showed me a few one or two matches of him and um him and Backlund, which yep. I'm surprised that like, Backlund is a technician. I don't even know how he even Got this big guy to move. Yeah. Uh, well, the big guy was a me. mover. I mean, this guy, he's one of the more athletic big men of all time. This dude, 400 and something pounds, bro. He was doing standing drop kicks. Damn. Standing drop kicks, bro. And he had, and his finisher was a big splash. That's a finisher. That's a finisher for him, exactly. And this guy went toe-to-toe with Bruiser Brody back in the 80s. Wow. Bro. In his prime. This motherfucker is a legend. He is he's legend. He is legend. He is legend from Stone Mountain, Georgia. Crusher Blackwell. Ah, oh, I loved his stuff in the AWA. Good stuff. Good stuff. Move move forward. Moving on. All right, and this is when we start throwing. I I had a when I looked at this. This is where a question mark went on in my head, but you kind of explained it a little bit, so maybe we can explain it on here. But uh, number twenty five, Bubba Ray Dudley. Yeah, this needs now, explaining. <laughs> now, my immediate reaction, and you're right, was. Wow, that doesn't really make sense. I mean, how tall was he? And I don't remember him being that big. However, mm-hmm. you schooled me on the fact that he actually used to be really heavy. Super. He was a super heavyweight. My man was four bills in Philly. He was four. <laughs> he was I four. don't remember. Like, yeah. When I vision him in, in in ECW and stuff like that, I envision him like this. Yeah. Like smaller. So I don't know why, but. Yeah, I think he even was, in his was debut, heavy. even in his debut for WWE, he was just, just a hint over three when he got into the WWE, and then as time had progressed, 
he had got a little trimmer, a little trimmer, and then toward the end of the run, about 04, 05, according, he to him, according to him, he was starting to get a little bit more into the strength training a little bit. Right. And when he incorporated that, fuck it. He was, and TNA, I think he was 260 right. at one point. Bully Ray, he was fucking fit. He was now, a big stock dude. I got a question. Okay. So the list, obviously, there's no height requirement because the previous guy was just five foot nine. Right. So the was, weight requirement for a heavyweight technically was 300 pounds? 300 pounds, yes. So then they left a few people off this list. Well, it's not so much. Uh, right. Well, this is the thing. This is their this is their list of who they think the best of the yeah, super heavyweight the category. Yeah. There's a lot of people who aren't on this list who fit the criteria. They just weren't that great. I mean, right. come on. Giant Silva obviously is a big super heavyweight. He doesn't belong on this list. There's a lot of people, like, sneaking Bubba Ray, D- Bubba Ray Dudley on here, I think, personally, was just a tip of the cap to Bubba because, like I said, when he came to the WWE, he wasn't nearly the heavy guy he was beforehand when he started taking things seriously. Because when he was 400 pounds and he was wrestling for Paul, they used to call him Little Bam Bam because he could move. At four, he was front bumping and drop kicking and doing all this. He did a cartwheel like Bam Bam. He was moving at four. And I think, I don't know, somewhere along the way, somebody said, man, you drop a couple of LBs, you're going to be fucking sick. And he was. The 400-pound deal, that was when the gangsters and the Dudleys really took off when he was at his fattest. Because they were hitting that motherfucker with everything but the kitchen sink. And I think on one ECW TV, he hit him with a kitchen sink. So he hit everything he could on Bubba, and he used to absorb it a lot. So I, he was he was a big dude for a long time, but he's incrementally gotten smaller and smaller over time. I don't think the WWE had him when he was at a true super heavyweight size, but when he right. came into this business, he was. Right. He was legitimately a big fucking guy. I he just that. He just twinkle-told his weight. He took his weight seriously. Hey, you answered that for me. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure everyone here has a Dudley Boy memory, so we'll move on. Bro, yeah, that we can spend all episode <laughs> on that. So Twenty number twenty four, one man gang. Okay, we're okay. One man gang deserves to be on here, but let's be real. I've got Paul Green on the show. I want to talk to you about Akeem, brother. That's, <laughs> I you were- that's that's what we need to talk. Akeem, the dream baby. Come on, yes, with my man Slick. That was the most absurd gimmick in the world. And that was as close it. to blackface as you can get. He took it and ran with it. <laughs> I don't know how much running he did, but yeah, I get your yeah, I get it. He he do, he believed do, in that shit. Do you remember the the tag match? It was uh, the Twin Towers versus the Mega Powers. Yes. And he did and he did that uh, dive? Well, accidentally flipped out of the ring. Yes, Yo. I do recall. Yes. I did. And I he should have died. I thought he, he I, thought, I thought he at least would have ruptured his patella or something. Something internal. But yes, I, as a matter of fact, the picture on this list is with him and Hogan. Hogan loved him. Hogan uh, had him come in from the AWA. Uh, Hogan was one of the guys that got him into WWE in the first place. Because when Hogan got in and Vince pretty much told him, yeah, we're running with you. He was like, well, if you're going to do that, I'm going to need people to face. And I got a lot of guys in AWA that I think would be perfect for that. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the guys that he brought in. Hogan loved competing against uh, uh, athletic big guys because the athletic, because they're big, 
So it looks like an attraction, right? Look at Hogan and then another big guy. It's a collision of titans. Right. But the other guys, he liked the bigger guys who can move because then they could bump for him and sell for him and, and take the right. big boot and take that leg drop. And it was perfect, and it made money. And he was one of the guys that made it. You think one-man game, you don't hear his name a lot. He was huge for the 80s because he helped Hogan get over with that audience. Right. He was huge for that. So I'm glad he's on this list. Uh, he was another one. You're going to see this a lot. Uh, finishing move was a splash. You're going to see a lot of that. And this dude was both, by the way, six foot nine and near 500 pounds. He meets, he checks both boxes. He does. Tall as fuck, <laughs> big boy. heavy as fuck, and can move. Another, another man who was splash could definitely be their finisher. Oh, yeah. Legit. For sure. Yeah, he can hurt mm-hmm. you if he wants to. Yeah, man. So number 23. Oh, this is going to be Bye-bye. Is that how you, you say it? You just spit on the greatest wrestling name of Japan in history. Now, Giant Baba. 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 Giant Baba, yes. The great colossus of Tokyo. The Giant Baba. Uh, he he was Hogan before Hogan was cool. 6'10", God. Yeah, hey, he was Hogan before Hogan was cool. He was their guy. Uh, he was a, a, a Japanese wrestling. Uh, he was a student of Ricky Dozen. Which has come back into the news with this Dark Side of the Ring stuff. Uh, Ricky <clears throat> Dozen's true heritage being revealed recently. But, uh, yeah, no, he came from the school of the guy, Ricky Dozen, and he became a fucking legend, bro. Paul Green, did your pops put you on the giant baba? Not really. Okay. Not really. You should put I your pops on the giant I- baba then. I think I've seen him maybe once and twice in some old wrestling footage. Old wrestling. Well, that's the only way to see him. Old wrestling footage, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I I loved I loved his uh he is the epitome. You know how I always tell you guys that I always tell you know, Ray's, you know, try to try to take less bumps. You know, you're you're athletic, but try to stay a little bit more stationary from time to time, you know? He he was the he was the epitome of that. I'm not going to say he couldn't work, but he used his size fantastically. In this picture, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's Stan Hansen. But he's got the arm bar in here, so watch out for that Lariat. That's big baba. Uh, <laughs> he's one of the greatest Japanese legends of all time. Definitely deserves to be on any top big man list. Chayam Baba. That's a great name. Baba. I like that shit. <laughs> Go ahead. Number 22, Abdullah the Butcher. Oh, my God. Abby. Oh boy! Uh oh! It sounds like we got some conversation here. <laughs> I love the the right here, volatile, volatile and sadistic. <laughs> the master, the originator of the fork, uh, that I unfortunately have been on the receiving end myself because uh, Santana from AEW is a fork mark and loves to fork people in the fucking heads. Thanks, to, thanks to Abdullah the Butcher. Uh, many wrestlers have, have used it. Yeah, Homicide used it in Ring of Honor, the fork. So I'm not uh, not particularly happy with getting forked. Although I have seen a few videos with two chicks scissoring, but that's another point. <laughs> but we, we're here to talk about Abdullah the Butcher. Obviously, when you say Abdullah the Butcher's name, the other name you have to say with him is Bruiser Brody. Uh, these two had the bloodiest wars in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, Paul Gray, have you had a chance to see some good Abby footage? 
I get take that as a no. <laughs> no, well, once long time ago, I got to see him in a Chamber of Horrors match. Oh no, WCW. not that one. No, no, Ixnay, pulling the plug. Wait a second. We are not to mention the Chamber of Horrors match. Oh my God, no. That's the one where Cactus Jack and the whole switch thing and the, oh no. <laughs> I thought we edit. Oh, we gotta edit that out. No, it's, yeah, that's the one that everyone. That was the one. That was one of the most high-profile matches he ever had, which is unfortunate. But yeah, Abdullah the Butcher. Dave, you don't remember anything about Abdullah yes. the Butcher? No, not really. That, the that fork thing out. rings a bell, but past that, no, not really. Pogre, that was your only impression of him? Uh, was that Chamber of Horrors? No, I've seen him in, in Bruiser Brody oh, bloodbath no. matches blood they had. Bloodbaths. Bloodbaths. Like, it was almost like the only reason they met that day was to cut each other open. There was no other purpose. You're talking about the color, color crimson all over the place. That's where that's where the crimson mask thing started, was it not? The crimson mask of Bruiser Brody. They used to beat the fuck out of each other. How much, if I'm not mistaken, I think they ran a clock one time. They barely, They rarely ever spent time in the ring. <laughs> it would spill out, and they would bleed in the audience. Awesome. Like, like every mm-hmm. time. Uh, they'd be fighting and picking up shit off the floor and popping each other in the fucking eyes with it and shit. And don't take these two motherfuckers to Puerto Rico. Forget it. They'll burn that whole island down. They've oh tried on many occasions to burn that whole fucking island down. That's Dutch hilarious. Mantel will tell you. Dutch Mantel. Get Dutch on the phone. He'll tell you. <laughs> Go ahead. Go on to the next one. Number, number 21, King Kong Bundy. King Kong Bundy. This is probably one of the more famous uh, older older wrestlers that I that I remember hearing. I may have seen him a few times, but I remember hearing this name a lot. It's a very big name. Pogre, your thoughts on King no pun intended. Kong, King Kong Bundy. Oh, he 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 was he was a mainstay in the the late eighties, early nineties for me watching wrestling. They used to set up. Saturday nights or Saturday afternoons, watching WWE on Channel Four. Remember seeing a lot of King Kong money. Wasn't he with the Million Dollar Man at one time? Uh, who wasn't with the Million Dollar Man at one point? Because everybody's got a price, Paul Green. Everybody's <laughs> got a price. You know, um, uh, Million Dollar Man is on NXT now. Yes, I, I got a chance to see some of him in uh, Cameron Grimes. Yeah, so everyone's got a price, even today. Probably more so today. You, yeah. Not for nothing, if yeah. DiBiase would have been active right now as the Million Dollar Man, can you imagine how great his character would have been during Trump's presidency? Oh, my God. That character would have been OD. They would have kicked him off the air. But, yes, he was at one point King Kong Bundy here. Not many people remember, but he was the main event of WrestleMania two, The only steel cage in WrestleMania history up until Shane and Braun Strowman shit all over that a couple of months ago. Uh, but yeah, he he not only that, but he did a bunch of TV too. King Kong Monday was on commercials. He was uh, he he showed up on television shows. When you if you when you were a, a an off the cuff wrestling fan, not really watching all the time, but you know of it or whatever, you knew King Kong Monday. Yeah, like you yeah. definitely heard his name. Yeah, that sure. bald head. Didn't he show up on Married with Children at some point? I don't remember. I I think he had a role in that some way. Can't yes, have, I believe he was on an episode I, I of think he Very was. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure on that. Gorilla Monsoon has here. Gorilla Monsoon used to call him the walking condominium. <laughs> and look, with his devastating avalanche splash. There we go. 
That's it. Start splashing. Splashing them. Just put your body. The more splash, the better. Number 20, Big John Stud. With two Ds. Big John Stud. Legitimate seven foot one. Was a linebacker. The real deal. No rounding. No, no, uh, no rounding up. Right. No rounding up. That was without lifts. He's seven foot tall. He was the big man. And one of my favorite stories about him that I have ever heard was him getting heat with Andre the Giant. Uh, because you know, back in those days when you got something over, you know, I know people today will sit here and tell you, "Well, my steals moves." Uh, okay, well, back in those days when you got something over. Somebody else used it. Uh, there was a problem. And not many people used to enter the ring going over the top rope. And Andre would enter the ring. He'd, he'd pull the rope down and go over the top rope. Right. Out of nowhere, we get to WWE TV. And Big John Studd starts going over the top rope. Mm-hmm. And they come in the back. And they have a little bit of, a, a little bit of an argument. And G- Big John Studd heads over. I think it was Dutch again. He's <laughs> He said, I don't think Andre likes me. And he was like, how do you know? Because Andre just looked me in the face and said, I don't like you. And I'm like, well, there you go. That's pretty clear. I don't think he fucking likes you. I think you should stay away from him at all costs. Yeah. Uh, and then they <laughs> ended up doing the uh, the body slam challenge. Nobody remembers the body slam challenge? No. Oh, I do. Uh, WrestleMania, was that one? Uh, yeah, it was one, right? The WrestleMania one. Where they had, the, they had a, 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 a little sports bag filled with cash. And Big John mm-hmm. stood at Andre the Giant. The only way to win the match is to body slam the other. That's how big these fuckers were. You could that's that's how rare it was to see people of this size. Where the whole idea of the match was all you gotta do is body slam your guy and you win. And everyone was like, Oh my god, I can't wait to see that. <laughs> Who the fuck is gonna body slam? Who could cause neither man up until that point, I believe, had ever been body slammed. Right. Because they had protected yeah. their characters because of their size. They had protected themselves. So now you put this Good in payouts, a, man. Yeah, Good you, payouts. Now you put yourself, because of that protection, now you got yourself in a position where two men who'd never been body slammed, now the whole <laughs> attraction is, well, who's going to take them up? Mm. That's that's tremendous. Yeah. Can't do that shit now because now all the big guys are bumping for no fucking reason. <laughs> but there we go. Anyway. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Oh, someone that I'm a little bit more familiar with, number 19. Ooh, my God. <laughs> that little dirty-ass thumb. I don't know why I always felt like his thumb, but his thumb was so dirty. That's why you just be jamming into people's necks and shit. Your finisher was a thumb, bro. You, you'd start putting that thumb in places just to make your finisher more more effective. That's what I think. <laughs> I'm just saying. A Samoan bulldozer. <laughs> I missed his manager. Do you remember his manager? Alejandro yeah, Wait, that was his manager? Yes. Yeah, that was him. And he, and I, I was literally randomly saying that shit yesterday. Yeah, and he had the cigar, remember? He was like, and you have to listen to me. <laughs> yeah, 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 that, that shit was hot. Yeah. I love that. He was dope. I don't he know was. what the fuck happened to that, but he, he's a school principal now. Nice. Well, that works. That's hilarious. But yeah, he was uh, career change, man. <laughs> career change. That's why I keep telling people, "Oh, they got released." All right, they'll figure it out. Fuck. 
Shit you know, you hear, you hear about the glory stories of the guy who was a teacher who became a WWE wrestler. You don't even really hear it going the other way around. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, that's a nice change of pace there. <laughs> but uh, Umaga, now, now we're getting into real territory here as far as athleticism for a big man. Right. Nobody, nobody hauled around their weight better than the fucking Samoans. Very true. He was one of the best. This nigga came off the top rope. He was doing cannonballs, super kicks, dives to the outside, and he would all do it with that savage give. <laughs> the Tasmanian devil. Oh yeah, he was shit, great dude. at that. That shit was uh, awesome. An, an, uh, another big man that turned his previous gimmick of being just a jobber into something better. Yeah, he was part of Three Minute Warning, right before that. Jamal, they named yeah. his ass Jamal. Look at no. this motherfucker. Look at this picture. They called him Jamal. What the fuck? No, I like Umaga better. I would have taken dog shit McPoopy pants over fucking Jamal. Look at this picture. Look at this picture. Jamal. Oh, my God. Yeah, but he did fantastic. He, 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 uh, if it wasn't for some personal issues, I'd actually think he would have gone a little farther, even though he. Already at the top of the card, he was competing against Cena for the title a couple times. He was a, a big WrestleMania match with Trump and Vince. He, he was doing shit, but right. he had some demons, and, and in the end, you know, that ended up winning out. So Yeah, it usually happens sometimes, unfortunately. It, it happens, it does. So we're moving um, on. All right. Number 18. Oh, actually, I have to give the guy a little credit, too. I mean, imagine being such a good worker and making people believe how savage you really are to the point where you can get a thumb to the neck over as a finish. Yeah, man, he made it work. He made it work. But you also know who made it work. Number 18, Sid. <laughs> <laughs> this dude was scary, man. Like, he acted like around the time that I was watching this, this guy actually put fear in me. Like, he was scary. He was scared. Yeah. Wasn't his theme a little bit like it was the bing, 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 Yeah. Oh my god. Dude, I was watching that earlier and then his theme that came on, he came out. I'm like, dude, you have no clue that how that used to give me nightmares. Yeah, when you were a kid, song. you hated it. You had I you, fucking you would, hated it. Yeah, it was scary as hell. He used to tell me to lower the TV every time. He didn't want to hear it. It was fucking petrifying. I don't know what it was about this guy, but his sinister look, his straight face, he just looks like he wanted to hurt somebody. I love the fact that he used to wet his hair to the point where during his entrance, every time he twists his head, 15 fluid ounces of fucking water <laughs> come off of his fucking head every time. Every time. Every time he would turn another, who's the man? Who's the man? People sleep on him when he was Sid Justice because the Psycho Sid character was so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But he was, I mean, remember, he was also a Twin Tower. Uh, he was him and Mark Calloway and him and, uh, no, let me phrase, let me phrase that. I believe Mark Calloway replaced him in the Twin Towers. He was with Dan Spivey. No. Am I reversing that order? Yes. Okay, so it was, I know Dan Spivey was one. Yeah, Spivey got hurt. Spivey and, got hurt. Oh, Spivey and, got hurt. Okay, there it is. Oh, I remember that now because Spivey was always the one getting hurt. I remember now. Right. Okay. So either way, yeah, he's got a – and uh, Psycho Sid will always now and forever be in my heart uh, for the guy who – I forgot what the fuck that jobber's name was. It was Sid and some other dude, and they were in a tag match with two fucking jabrones, 
Mm. And one jabron refused to fucking, like, sell anything. Like, he just took a bump, and he'd get up, and they'd bump, and he'd get up. And at one point, Sid lost his, lost his shit and powdered him out. And Sid and his partner just started punching and kicking the fuck out of him live on TV. Mm. Like, oh, you're not going to wow. sell. All right, motherfucker. <laughs> and he just, they just fucking went to goddamn town on this dude. And he was like, you can hear him scream, what the fuck? They, they, they was whooping his ass. Right. And I was like, whoa. I was like, oh, this, uh, my friend Pete shows me that clip all the time. I was like, god damn. Woo. But yeah, him and uh, uh, Paul Green, I think, we, I don't think I'm speaking out of school here. But, you know, the whole scissors thing with Arn Anderson. You know, people will always remember. You know I got to bring that up. Oh, my God. You know I got to bring that up. Dave, did you ever hear the story of Sid, Arn Anderson, and the scissors? No. Oh, yeah. Great, is, great story. It's a very <laughs> short story, but it gets right to the fucking point. Uh, these two motherfuckers had an argument at a bar. Mm. And I can't remember which one said it first, but the other dude looked at him and said, you say one more shit. I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna fucking kill you right here where you stand. And he kept talking, so he said, Okay. And he left. And he went to his room and they followed him upstairs. And when he came out, this motherfucker had scissors. Mm. And they just started fucking stabbing away at each other, bro. So here are Damn. these two motherfuckers That's some real man in shit. a hotel hallway bleeding yeah. out and shit. And like, okay. well, and then and they get, and wonder then they get, why. And people yeah. wonder why when Undertaker says Oh, you know, the locker room's a little bit different nowadays. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what he fucking means. And both, of these, and both of these motherfuckers are bleeding out, right? So they, they, they get to the hospital, get patched up. They go to the building, the venue for the show the next day. And everybody's like, well, these two guys are probably going to get fired or fined. And nothing happened. And when they asked Dusty what happened, Dusty said, well, the two of them just had some differences, baby. They just worked out some differences. So differences? They put holes in each other, Dust. What's happening? No, they just had we they just had some differences, baby. They had, they to, had to work they it had, out. They had to work some shit out. But they that's got it, it they man. got it together. Everything's cool. Everything's great. I'm like, oh that's it. And that's he was one of the ones and I could be wrong, so correct me, but he was one of the first ones to me that were big guys that was fucking just ripped. Like he wasn't a fat big guy oh, or was round massive. big guy. He was like solid. He was in, he was solid. He reminds me of like uh or it reminds me like Braun Strowman, where the guy's so massive, but he has a six-pack and huge-ass arms. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. You're supposed to be, like, fat, not in shape. It's fucking terrifying. Yeah. No, he was a muscular fucking dude. Absolutely. Call it softball muscles, because he, he plays softball all the time. That's his Dave, have you, have you ever... Have you ever what? Dave, have you ever seen the match where he uh, shattered his leg? No, Ooh. no, I did not. That was the Steiner match in WCW. I remember. That was one of those where watch, were you at the moment uh, situations. Yeah, I remember watching that match and Sid and a pair of jorts clomped up to the second rope to give uh, uh, Scott Steiner a flying boot. Uh-oh. And um, when he landed, his leg folded underneath him. It was. Ooh, I remember yeah. going to school the the next day and just was like, "Wow!" His whole <laughs> leg shifted to the left. And the funny thing is, is when Sid came off the top for the boot, he, he was supposed to miss. So Scott had already kind of evaded, but he came down and his whole leg 
Oh, shattered underneath it. I was oh like, my god. There goes that. Yeah, I get super. I remember the the commentators were just like, "Oh, j- oh no!" <laughs> they didn't know what to do. Her comes hit off the top. Oh, oh no! And, and he still got pinned with the the leg flopping. Uh, yeah, <laughs> floppy leg. The show must go on. You gotta finish it, man. You gotta finish it. This thing is uh, off the top. Wait, right here. I gotta hear it. Hold on. You don't hear the actual leg break, but I got. I just go back to no. your local restaurant. So stupid uh, advertisements. Stella, please don't take my video down. My audio down. Hold on. Sid Vicious up on top. Oh, oh. That is look, so look at the, difficult. Look, look at the left foot. That is so difficult to watch. We've seen it already. Oh. That's me, Once again, I Now that I'm looking at it, he didn't evade. He actually hits the, uh, the Steiner foot. with the boot. And you just hear him go, this is for the, oh. While we were watching the mystery opponent come in. Now, Sid Vicious up on top. Oh. 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 That's hilarious. There's no way to. I know it's be. bad. Just from that reaction, it's I know it's bad. Oh. Oh. <laughs> All right, moving on. All right, number 17, Rikishi. Ooh. I mean, my favorite part, the one, the Rikishi I remember is with like uh, Scotty Too Hotty and what was that group called again? Too Cool. Too cool. Yeah, too cool. That shit was fucking amazing. That's my that's my big memory of him. I know he, he did a lot of good stuff, man. But that was the peak for me. I remember that. That shit was hot. Love the entrance, the dancing, the oh man, that, that whole gimmick was fucking awesome. With the stink face. Mm-hmm. Put his whole ass in your face. That shit was hot. They brought that back a few times. Uh, it's funny though because I think now, as great as his career was, his greatest contribution uh, to the wrestling industry will be the two kids he produced. Because his kids are fucking awesome. <laughs> the Usos are fucking dope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The whole I was just talking about this with my wife yesterday. I think at this point, if you take two generations ago, the previous generation and the current generation. The Samoan dynasty, I think, is wrapping this whole contest up. I don't know if there's a more famous wrestling family in wrestling right now than the fucking Samoan dynasty. They are doing it generation after generation after generation. They just keep killing it. Yeah. They just keep producing more and more great talent. Uh, Vince loves that bloodline. Oh, my God. Yes, absolutely loves it. I wouldn't be shocked if he approached them and asked if they could inject some of their blood into his blood. Like the like the fucking villain from that Wolverine Origins movie, he just takes the he just takes the substance from people to stay alive. And I want to be a part of this family. Can you insert some of your blood in me, please? Uh, like the fucking mom and fucking Tangled, that just keeps oh her God. youth from the golden hair of this wonderful family. Just keep just lock it with a closet. Can we? I bet you you can actually make real life super soldier serum with their DNA. Maybe I bet you, you. Might- that could be the root of it. You might take that some bullfrog DNA or something. I don't fucking know to get the get the Jurassic Park people on the phone and try to make this happen. Because I think <laughs> it starts with the fucking Samoans. Yeah, Rikishi, uh, ever so close to the WWE Championship. Remember, he was the one he did it for the people. He did it for yes. the Rock. Don't ever forget that Rikishi was the good. He wasn't a bad man. He was a good man. He did it for the people. He did it for the Rock. Mm-hmm. He ran Stone Cold Steve Austin's ass down. And they got him over for two months. <laughs> Stoke would later go on to still be the legend that he is. 
But right. it worked. They tried. They tried. But he was injury prone, and, and he had injuries that were creeping up from before. And his career was what it was. But, man, when he was on top, I'll never forget his splash from the top of the cage onto Val Venus. I said, my God, you got to give that man, Val Venus, the Medal of Honor. And they ended up releasing him like a few months later. You know, I was about to ask a question. Since you manage a big guy. Yes, sir. How do you get anybody to sign off on the devastation that is about to occur to them while in the ring with this like, man? What do they get? Uh, like, yeah, that's actually a really good question. Because you know when you get in the ring with these guys, you're about to get your ass handed to you. Well, that's the thing, though. A good big man, when you get a good big man working against you, you it only appears like you're getting your ass handed to you. You don't actually get your ass handed to you. Sammy is talented enough to appear in the ring like he's beating the fucking shit out of you and not really beat the shit out of you. He's really good at that. Well, you have to worry about our big guys that don't work like that. So when you get into a building and they go, yeah, you're working this guy, you just, well, I, I'm not comfortable with that because he's going to beat my ass for real because he don't know how to fucking work. Uh, Dave, you've seen Sam's finish at RSD. Right? Mm-hmm. Up on the shoulder, fire driver under the mat. That shit looks like death. And every person on in the locker room wants to take it because it, nothing happens to you. It just looks like death. Right. <laughs> and that's – that's so the question is how do you get guys to sign off on that? And you don't. When you're a big man who can work, they line up around the block to wrestle you because it looks right. great. Right, uh, right, right. What you have a problem with is when you have big guys that don't. When you get big guys, and I can name a few, and I'm not going to do that because I'm going to be nice because I'm probably going to see them soon. Uh, but you Put get a few, a few, yeah, right? Well, you get a few big guys who are a little loose with the way they do things. That line starts to shorten down. Not a whole lot of people want to work with you. So in a situation where you're in the locker room and they tell, because you usually find out your opponent ahead of time. If you're finding out the day of, it's probably because there was a call out or something like that, an emergency situation. But if I have scheduled to wrestle a dude I know can work and I get to the building like, well, that guy's not going to be able to make it. We found the replacement. It's this dude. <laughs> Listen, we'll, I'll work with him because that's what we have. But I'll, the first thing I tell that dude is that we're not, do, we're not doing what you think we're doing, buddy. Uh, we're going to do a lot of running around, a lot of hit and miss, a lot of cat and mouse. I'll give you two really big bumps if you – I mean, you can give me two really big bumps to make you look – like a monster, but we're not doing a whole lot of throwing around. You got to protect yourself. You know, when you get a guy in there who knows what he's doing, you just give your body up. Yeah, whatever you want. Whatever you want. Do what you will yeah, with my body. The guy that I manage, uh, he doesn't just do splashes and shit. He does suplexes. He does throws. He does a lot of shit. And he does that shit because he's really, really good at it. And he, they look good. And people are okay taking them. They're comfortable with him. That's that's the key. That's the answer to that question. You want them to be good with you. There's a couple of guys on this list uh, where they had a rep like Abby had a reputation of being a little loose. So the line to wrestle him is not nearly as long as it is, say, Rikishi, who's right. a really big dude, but would never hurt anybody. You, but you got to swallow his asshole every match. Uh, well, I mean, listen, I would rather <laughs> I would rather take those butt cheeks to the fucking face. Then wrestle Big Vis in a ten minute match. I'm good. Mm. It's well, like it's like, it's like the uh, David Chappelle 
you know, you, you getting pissed on or whatever. Like, bring in R. Kelly. Tell him to stay away from my eyes. That's what it is. It's, <laughs> it's the same thing here. I'd ra- I would rather work a work a match with Rikishi where he has to stink face me than work a 10 minutes with Abby and, or, or, or one of these guys and get hurt and never come back at all. So I'm, right. I'm, I'm good. Makes sense. Moving on. Number 16, Diesel. Kevin Nash. Let's call it what it is. Kevin Nash. Yes, he's a super heavyweight. Yes, legit seven-footer. We all have diesel memories of some kind. Not Paul hey, Green. Yo, Paul, Paul, Paul Green doesn't have many diesel memories. He's got big, sexy memories. That's where... That's where Paul Green's situation comes in. Oh no! Yeah, he's got the big, the big, sexy, the wolf pack memories in his head. Well, I had a little bit of diesel. Actually, a little bit of Vinny Vegas too. Remember, I was a WCW oh, guy. Oh my god! Yeah, the Oz and all Vin those Vegas. things. Vinny Vegas, I remember. God damn, a seven foot lone shark. That is <laughs> that is a scary visual. Uh, yeah, but no, I mean obviously. He deserves to be on this list. He did a lot. He gives himself way more credit than his fan base does, but he he did do a lot. Two dudes with attitude, obviously. Uh, his his uh, going out promo as Diesel when he turned heel for no fucking reason other than the fact that he was bored. <laughs> his whole deal with the NWO run when they brought in, you know, what was it uh, Scott Hall said? Between the big man. And the medium-sized man. <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck? You medium? Nigga, you six eight? How come he's not? On, how come he's not on this list? He's six eight anyway. Uh, yeah, but he's got a hell of a lineage in this in this fucking business, dude. He was the Booker for WCW at one point. He ended Goldberg's streak. I mean, we could do this all day, Dave. What are your Diesel memories? Uh the uh, I think mostly the NWO. There you go. See? NWO is probably because that's just where I've seen you and just seen you watch them. But I have gone back a little bit and uh, I've been watching a lot of really old wrestling. Uh, so I saw a little bit of his run of, as like the champion. And he's good. He's definitely one of the bigger, uh, like I said, not rounded, more physically in shape. He got plumped later in his career, but when he was at his peak there, especially as Diesel, he was uh, he was definitely a fit big guy, which was, you know, Vince. You just you just say Vince McMahon when you say stuff like that. This dude fucking loves bodies like this. So, mm-hmm. there you go. Also, fun fact: he was Super Shredder in the Ninja Turtle movie. Oh, that's right. Yep. Wait, yep. really? Fun fact: Yes, he was. He was the he was the physical actual actor who was in the suit for Super Shredder. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving on. Moving on, number 15, Bruiser Brody. Bruiser Brody. Really, I mean, I mean, what else can we say? We said a lot of it with Abby. Paul Green, do you have any Bruiser Brody memories? My dad, once again, put me on a Bruiser Brody. There it he is. He, uh, Psychopath, the original... She, she's not happy about this dude either. The original, uh, I think he might have been the first guy I ever saw bleed. Oh, yeah. Well, we got to see it more than once, I'm sure. <laughs> you can see a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dave, I know you don't really have any many Bruiser Brody memories. From- no, I don't even really remember the name too much, to be honest yeah. with you. Like, this is one of the ones I've seen so far that I don't think I've actually, like, Heard the name as much. So he's my favorite dark side of the ring story. You get a chance, 
uh, to check. Yeah, that I'm gonna out. go watch it. That yeah. shit is hot. It gives you a nice little get together about who he was in the beginning, and right. but most of that video was about how he died, which is even more like legend Crazy. in this industry. Yeah, it's like I gotta, check, I gotta check that out. I like that. I, I like all that little extra WWE shit. I know, man. I, to, I I sent you a link for the biographies. You gotta check them out. Yeah, they're I really pretty, do. I want to watch those. You said you were getting ones, right? Yeah, yeah. These are new documentaries yeah. about old wrestling. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, I got to check it out. Uh, yeah. So no, we did a lot of the Bruiser Brody stuff to be added. So go ahead. Moving on to the next. All one. right, number fourteen, Earthquake, and I tell you, I do not like this picture. It is, <laughs> it's so aggressive. Uh, oh my God, Ariel T bag. It's, yeah, top, it's top it's world. aggressive. There's a lot of people watching this man, oh, man. put his nuts that, in this other man's that face. That outfit does not look like it smells appropriate. I can smell this picture. <laughs> oh, my God. No, 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 uh, no, no. This is an older guy, so I don't, I really don't have many memories. Paul Green, I know you got earthquake stories. Come on, oh, man. For days. Oh, for earthquake. days. Earthquake, baby. Earthquake. By the way, earthquake. his entrance theme was literally just the rumble of an earthquake. It well, was just, that was just, it wasn't a steam, dude. It was just him walking out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, Earthquake, bro. Go ahead, man. Tell yeah, give us some Earthquake. Give us some Earthquake, man. Man, one of my earliest memories of Earthquake was him uh, crushing Hulk Hogan on the Brother Love show. Oh, yes. That was the big run in there. That was the big uh, debut. Uh, not debut. And, I'm sorry. The big run for Earthquake against Hogan. And then uh, the formation of uh, the natural disasters with oh, yeah. Typhoon, a.k.a. Tugboat. That's right, Mr. Fred Odman. If you're listening, we love you. He's a big fan of the Blood Brothers. He's pushing for us. So we definitely talking some Typhoon here. And and also the shark in WCW. Yes! I was kind of hoping. I, okay, all right. I forgot what that group was called with the Taskmaster. It was called uh, with Kevin Sullivan. Um, Dungeon of Doom. Dungeon of Doom. There we go. I was gonna say Faces of Doom. That was the Faces of Fear. Faces. That was Haku. Faces and, of Doom. And, no. I think Dungeons of Doom is a little bit harder. Well, there than was another team in WCW called the Faces of Fear. Yes. Uh, what was that Haku and Barbarian? I believe. Yes. 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 The, the 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 best no sell tag team of all time. They wouldn't sell shit. They just they'd be on their feet the whole time. If they took a bump, they liked you. That's what that was. It was a favor to you. If I fall down on mat, it's because I like you. Mm. That's it. But yeah, no. Earthquake and that was another one. I loved natural disasters. Two big fat motherfuckers. A combined weight of a thousand pounds worth of man just fighting each other. A thousand they, pounds yeah, worth of half man. Half a ton between <clears throat> two individuals. And they were the tag team champions too. Uh, didn't Cornette manage them? Uh, if he did, it wasn't regularly. I don't recall because I remember during this time period he was kind of on the heavenly bodies. They were doing that stint uh, between Smoky Mountain and WWE at this point, so I don't know if, uh, if if he did. It was a one-off or at least very small amount of time. I don't recall them being uh, him being full-time manager of the Natural Disasters. Oh man, that's a great tag team name. Oh, God, the natural disaster. <laughs> yeah, because it was a typhoon and earthquake. And then typhoon became tugboat for some reason. And they put him in a little sailor's hat like a goof. But it was, <laughs> but it was hilarious. I love you, Fred. Please don't. Yeah, Fred loves us, by the way. Fred Fred likes all over our ship and shares our ship for us. So Fred's the best. Right. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. What he said. <laughs> typhoon. All right. Next one, we got uh, number 13, the big boss man. Slept on. Uh, oh man! Slept on. He's one of the greatest big men of all time. One of my slept favorite. Slept on. 
and Joe Pombo's favorite wrestler. <laughs> Friend of the show here over at 2B Scene. The number two. Oh, B-A-S-E. yeah, he does fuck with the big boss, man, doesn't he? He does. Everyone fucks with him. Ray Trailer over at WCW. He was a Ray Trailer over there. Right. But he was the big boss man here in the WWE, this guy. This was he, the He same also came era. back. You should remember this, uh, Dave, actually. This is the same era as, like, Doink the Clown and stuff like that, right? During that era, yes, but then he went to WCW for a little while, and then he came back. He was McMahon's uh, personal security guard. Remember, he used to flip right. the stick around. No, no, I don't remember who this is. Okay, I remember right, the, right. the older stuff, too, a little bit. Yeah. You watch the his, stuff a lot. His, uh, his claim to fame in WWE, I guess now, would be one of two things. It would either be getting hung at WrestleMania, Right. Or the when I see this image, I think of there's an era that I think of. And that's why I said Doink the Clown that I just remember to be just to be very colorful. It's like a very colorful era. And I don't know why I think that maybe because like some of the robes and I don't know. He just seems this character right there. It was one that I remember just being really bright. And I, I, I tuned that to like the specific era and time. From when you used to watch like uh, the old school, like in your houses and stuff like that. Yeah. This, yeah. Well, this actually predates even this the in-house. Re- yeah, this is where I remember him. Yeah. 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 But uh, the other claim to fame that he has in Paul Green, I, I've been trying to wipe this from my mind for, goddamn, 20 years. And it's still here. And I can't scrub it no matter what. That fucking kennel from hell. It's stuck in my head. For, I will never let him live that shit down ever, ever again. The idea oh, of putting a cage inside the Hell in a Cell still to this day is potential left untapped. There's so much you can do with that, and I don't know why they haven't touched it since. But what we can do is remove the dogs from this equation. Because, oh, man, that uh, was... Yeah. If you that, guys was, ever, that was bad. Yeah, if you guys ever want to YouTube that, the Kennel from Hell match with dogs in between the cage and Hell in a Cell just pissing and shitting at will. Mm. Just a mess. It must have smelled like the back end of a zoo down there. Front row ticketing must have been fun for that night. Oof. But, yeah, Big Boss Man undersold how great he was as a big guy. Go ahead, Dave. As a big guy in the number 12, Blackjack Mulligan. Yes. The inspiration of the Blackjack's tag. He looks like a man's man. Dude, this dude has a mustache on under his nose on his bicep. This guy squeezes his own breakfast juice. Uh, he 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 cre- he goes meat shopping by heading into the forest. Uh, this is the real deal. He fixes engines. He hangs sheetrock. This is a man's man. Uh, he played in the NFL. This dude is for real. Uh, I know you don't, Dave, but Paul Green, do you have any Blackjack Mulligan uh, memories? Probably outside of the WWE, because his real claim to fame was everything literally outside of it. Florida, Mid-Atlantic, world-class, AWA. He was a legend outside of the WWE. I just remember him and um, Captain Lou. Oh, yeah. Running running, uh, running ramp shot <laughs> wherever they went. He was, oh, man. He was underrated big man, too. Oh, yeah. He, Huge. Yeah, he was, he was good. Yep, six foot seven here, but he reached he's over three hundred and forty pounds. A former US Marine. Oh, he's yeah, yeah man's no, man. This dude is a man's man. I looking at this picture, my testosterone has jumped ten percent. 
<laughs> I feel like I want to chop wood right now. I'm about to go in the other room and smack my wife for no reason at all, whatsoever. <laughs> it really makes me want to eat steak with a spoon. Yeah. Speaking of which, what a segue. What a segue. He's a professional, folks. You got to go to the next guy now. Now it's over. Go to the next guy. You got to now. You got to. <laughs> like, Fucking number perfect. 11, perfect. Mark Henry, man. Mark Henry. Your man's so strong, he can eat steak with a spoon. That is the greatest joke to this day I have ever heard on Monday Night Raw. God damn, the man with pectorals that goes all the way to the back. Yeah, oh, man. I mean, we had a very long and in-depth conversation about Mark Henry, so I wonder what Mr. Green, his memory on uh, on Mr. Mark Henry. Actually meeting Mark Henry. Ooh, okay. Share that with uh, us. There was a, there was a gym, local gym in Harlem. And um, some of the WWE wrestlers, I guess, for a show at the Garden, were working out there. It was him, Victoria. I forgot who else, but I remember walking up to Mark Henry, shaking his hand. His hand basically was like three of mine. It was just, ah, come here, ham hock on your your hand now. (laughs) Nicest guy in the world, though. Yeah. He no longer fits the the super category now. Have you seen him? He lost weight. Did he? Yeah, he's 80 yeah. pounds down. He's wow. not even, I think, uh, I, I don't even think he's three bills anymore. Or he's getting close to it. He said he's trying to drop at least another 20 and he wants to get back in the ring for a retirement match. That'd be cool. Fuck all that, man. Hey. At, the way, at the way that he feels and looks, he's not going to do just one, bro. Soon as Wait, he starts a real taking, retirement match? Yeah, a real one. He didn't get one last time. He wants a retirement match, but he wants to... He doesn't, the reason why they retired him is because of his health and because of his weight. Because it was getting to be too much. It was affecting his quality of life. Do you think the crowd explodes when Mark Henry walks oh, out? Yeah, of course. No, they're going to go fucking crazy for him when he comes out. Oh, that- come and give him, gonna get his hair split. Uh, get him, uh, that's that, what's that shit? Oh, get it up, get it up, get it up, whatever the fuck they say. Yeah, that shit yes, is, that shit is that Three Six Mafia song, yeah, yes. Yeah, that shit is dope. And they do that camera shot with the back of his neck and he comes out. The hall, <laughs> of, the, the, the hall of pain, all that shit. Dope as fuck. His retirement speech is still the best thing he ever did. That Salmon suit when he drops Cena on the back of his dome. <laughs> that shit is great. Fantastic stuff. Mark Henry is a fucking legend, bro. I fucking love that guy. World's strongest yeah. man. World's strongest man, indeed. Number 10, Gorilla Monsoon. Now, this is a, one of those, this is also one of those really big names that even if you're not, even the casuals, casualists of fans, you will at least hear this guy's name all the time. But that's where I'm at. I just heard name, I've never really yeah. seen him. His do name work. is used throughout even the indies to this day because of, of the position. Uh, being working behind the actual curtain area, the gorilla position. Right. Uh, it's a WWE term for whatever reason. Indie companies picked it up because it's such a popular term at this point. But it just speaks to the measure of his importance to this business, where even now on an indie level, his name is still being utilized to this day as inside terminology for, you know, any building that I'm in, when someone goes, hey, they need you over at Gorilla, I know exactly where to fucking go. And that's mm-hmm. because of, of him and, of course, his combination with Bobby Hito. Will, will you stop it? And uh, his one half of one of the greatest commentator teams of all time, I think. Yes, I agree. You, 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 yeah. Do you have any Gorilla Monsoon stories? 
Only when he got squashed by Vader. Oh, yeah, with the suspension. Picture that, Dave. They debuted Vader on Raw. His his debut. And at the end of the segment he debuts in, they suspend him. <laughs> uh, we ended up finding out the story behind that. Did you ever hear the story, Paul Green, about why they suspended him so fast? No, never uh, heard that. Story. Shoulder surgery. So they set up a time for him. They set up that date for him to debut ahead of time. And I think he finished out his dates before he came into the WWE. And on the last match before he debuted, he, he fucking fucked up his shoulder. So they debuted him and then on time. And then they gave him a reason to leave for the surgery, which was squashing Gorilla. Wow. They got kind of put in a position where he, yeah, he's here, but he's got to go. <laughs> and it was also good for him that he had Cornette as a manager because Cornette kept his name out there while he was away. So it worked out. Right. But yeah, but Gorilla Monsoon, gosh, gosh. Gorilla Monsoon is a man's man as well. Gorilla Monsoon. I'm not, All right. Now that I'm looking at this list moving forward, there's a lot of men's <laughs> men's here, but go ahead. Uh, now we're getting into top 10 here. Uh, Stan Hansen. Stan Looks like a cowboy. Hansen. Right here. Oh, I hated this guy. Oh, why'd you hate him? That tobacco, man. Yes. That tobacco was the nastiest thing in the he world. Oh, my God. Where's my shit. mask right now? I got to put my mask on. <laughs> he used to. He was gimmick would not have worked post-COVID. <laughs> it would not have worked. No, but so what was the what was this deal? And he's a heel. And he used to do, he used to come to the ring with the fucking uh the the chewing tobacco. Right. And, and he was Please don't tell me he spit at people. He spit at people. He oh spit, my god. He would spit at the boys. Uh he would spit at the wrestlers. He any chance he got. He, he was, had this 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 can yeah. that he would spit into and keep in the corner and Ugh. you know he's a heel. So when the ref wasn't looking, he would take this Spit filled can and pour it on you. Ugh. Oh no, fuck. That's and so bad. As soon as you start worrying about the fucking tobacco, he hits you with the most terrifying, numbing fucking clothesline of all time. He was the inventor of the lariat. Just the way oh. that he threw it. It wasn't a normal clothesline. He threw it with vicious and ill intent. He was one of the guys, you know, Dave, when we talked about Omega in the knee. Right. Well, how when Omega only knows the one speed. Right. So you you got to adjust. You either know how to sell it or you don't. Right. And that was the lariat. He's going to throw it hard as a motherfucker. So if you know what you're doing, you'll be fine. If you don't, you will not be fine. You right. will not be okay when that match is over. Uh, and, yeah, no, he's a legend, though, because also he was, he was one of the first gaijin, one of the first white guys to go to Japan. And get over the way that he did. He was there for a while. His main work was in Japan. He right. did some stuff here and there in the States, but he never got over here the way that he did in Japan. He was a menace over there. He was like white Godzilla. <laughs> Every time you turn around, another fucking Stan Hansen beat down. That's it. But yeah. So yeah, Stan, Stan Hansen was the man. Stan Hansen. All right. Number eight, Big Cat Ernie Ladd. Big Cat Ernie Ladd, baby. You didn't doomed yourself out of position. <laughs> Ernie Ladd is a quotable motherfucker. Uh, uh, Paul Green, you got any Ernie Ladd? I know your dad told you about Ernie Ladd. Yeah, he did. He one of the few black guys, you know, back then that were very, very popular and oh, yeah. a big attraction. And 
Didn't he play football too? Absolutely. Former football player. San Diego Chargers and the Houston Oilers. In the 60s and Big 70s. man. Big man. Six foot nine, 300 plus pounds. And he used and to get into knockdown, drag out brawls. That was his style. That was the attraction. He used to fight motherfuckers. And he was in that era too when, you know, the pimp coats and stuff was oh, yeah. rocking. So imagine seeing this guy out at the club at night. Oh, man. He's probably a stud. Best, best Ernie Ladd story I could possibly tell you is when Ernie Ladd tells you that this is what's going to happen, this is what's going to happen. And if you change things up, this is how he handles his business. Ernie Ladd was always an attraction. Ernie Ladd was always the guy that, you know, uh, you put him on the card, put him on the flyer, all that stuff is going to draw a lot of attention. And he never liked disappointing his fans. But apparently he got into it with a promoter one time. And they had a bit of a disagreement. And the show hadn't begun yet. So Ernie Ladd said, okay, this is how this is going to go. Cool, watch this. And he grabbed his bag, his gear bag. He didn't change, he just grabbed his bag. And he went through the curtain. And all the fans were like, oh my God, look, it's Ernie Ladd. And Ernie Ladd walked through the curtain, worked down the aisleway, did a circle around the wing. He's high-fiving, he's shaking hands, he's going around the ring, just like that. He he must he addressed every fan he could, and then he walked over the rail and went out the side door, got in his car, and fucking left. <laughs> and that's it. That was his fucking appearance. Because <laughs> you're not gonna tell your lad any different. Uh, he's one of the most. We spoke about him during Black History Month. We kind of touched on him a little bit. One of the most uh, respected individuals during his time was a booker for a while as well. Talent relations with WWE. He was the one who was trying to negotiate a lot of talent during those late 90s, uh, excuse me, late 80s uh, era of wrestling there in the WWE. Uh, so he's a big time figure, definitely belongs on this list. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. All right, moving on. We're going to number seven, Yokozuna. I legit thought he was Japanese for that long. Yes. Wait, what? Yeah, for the yeah. longest time. For the, when I was a kid, I thought he was Japanese for real. Wait, is I, he not? No, he's not. He's a fucking Samoan. Oh, okay. Well, that's not too far off. Yeah. He's part of the Samoan dynasty. He's in there. But it, I did, for the longest when I was a kid, uh, I honestly did. I actually thought that he was, uh, he was fucking Japanese for real. When you look it at it, it. Uh, I don't know now. I mean, the hair short. Well, now, now that you say Samoan, it kind of fucked yeah, up my view. It, it kind like... of broke the glass on me, too. I was like, oh, right. really? But the way that he handled himself with the rice and he would do the whole bonsai and all that other stuff. So I legit thought he was Japanese for a little bit. So, yeah, no, he's Samoan now. And, and, and he's well, Samoan. You broke the glass yeah. on me, man. I can't, I can't see it anymore. You know, fucked it up for me. Fucked it up. Fucked it up. But I think everybody here has a Yoko story. No? Yes? I wouldn't say I have so much of Yoko. That's the problem with a lot of these. It's just such old memories for me. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I remember I remember seeing him in the ring. I know he had a couple matches with, like, uh, Shawn Michaels and stuff, right? That's around that time? Yeah, your memory that you're probably picking from is when I had the best of Shawn Michaels VHS. Right, right, he right. he Yoko in that, right. And he was right. doing the bouncing around. and uh, Yeah, I remember that, yeah. That was an athletic match as fuck, too. God damn, I'm going to have to break that out. Let me see if I can find that on Peacock or some shit. Probably, right. probably not. But, yeah, definitely some old Yoko stuff. Uh, that bonsai drop was the sh- stuff of I feared it. I, <laughs> I feared it. 
when he dragged that motherfucker to the corner. Because mm-hmm. you could tell even then the people he liked and the people he did not like. And uh, he 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 dropped that ass and that was it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Put his whole ass on your chest. <laughs> Paul Green, anything on Yoko? And Yoko, I never understood how a man that size could move that well. Oh, yeah. Super ass. He did not look, and he got bigger as time went on, and he was still moving. 600-pound super kick. How? How sweet. And I remember when they they, they, they used him in that Lex Luger buildup on, on the Intrepid body slam, the other body slam challenge. Yes, it was actually the other. No, it was the the Intrepid. With yeah. Uh, Lex Luger, when he gave him that hip toss, I mean body slam on the on the, <laughs> on the ship, and uh, he became uh, the all American hero with the hottest theme. And yeah, she was hot. I used to love that theme until Brett came out, and then his theme was shit because Brett's theme was the best. Also, I remember Yoko being part of one of the worst main events in WrestleMania history. Ooh, goddamn! You talk about nine. Yes, with the with the salt. And the nine was a disaster all over. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's kind of simple. That's coloring it simplistically, yes. But that was the first WrestleMania where I think it was obvious to the audience there was some weird backstage shit happening. Because it's like, oh, what the fuck is Hogan doing here? Why is his eye black? Why is he winning the title? And that eye, that black eye, I think we talked about it on the last show. That was where we found out that Hogan went to WrestleMania 9 with a black eye because Macho had fucking lit his ass up. Right. Uh, so, yeah, so that's what happened there. But, yeah, Yoko, man. Yoko was the man. Moving on. Moving on, number six, Bam Bam Bigelow. I loved his theme music because he used to go, Bam, bam. Like, <laughs> oh, that's clear who's coming out, right? It's that's a, it. You, there's no confusion. Bam, bam. Uh, he, when you put athletic big man on the document, uh, when you put a picture next to it, it's got a picture of Bam Bam. That yeah. motherfucker was. The tattoo on the head, man. Oh, that's, that's, that's a gimmick. Yeah. That's a gimmick, bro. I don't know if I love the wrestling business that much to put a tattoo on my fucking skull, boy, but that's it. He did it. And he had the full-on pajamas that were dope with the flames on the side. Hot. Everything. Cartwheels, moonsaults. This man was a super athlete. He was the best. And I know people are going to look at his... If you look at his WWE run, I mean, think about all his WrestleManias. Mixed tags with a midget and a girl. Lawrence Taylor. But at least it was the main event. (laughs) He was the first main event with no title on the line. Yes. Except for WrestleMania 1, obviously, but excluding that, the main event was always reserved for the title. Sean and Diesel had to go on before Bam Bam and Lawrence Taylor. Mm. That's how shitty Diesel was, but I digress. <laughs> but, yeah, but no, Bam 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 Bigelow was also the man. And, of course, Paul Green, Major Payne, got to bring that up. Can't talk about Bam Bam Bigelow without bringing up Damien. Damien, what the fuck? Oh, you know, no, it is Damien, right? Damien Wayne's from Major Pain. Yes. Yes, the Drill Sergeant movie. Where he wrestled <laughs> Bam Bam Bigelow. And he sold it. And Bam Bam sold him like a million bucks. Because that's what he does. He's a super athlete. I actually appreciate, I can't get through Bam Bam without mentioning his ECW shit. Because his ECW oh, yeah. stuff was the stuff of legend. That shit was great. 
uh, surfing Spike Dudley. And, of course, uh, he, he developed the Asbury Park. Uh, greetings from Asbury Park, that fire driver that my man uses, the original RSD before we modified it. But, yeah, mm-hmm. he was a good dude, a good dude. Bam, bam. Bam, bam. Yeah, Dave. Right, so moving on, number five, Vader. This one I remember watching him a lot. Yes. A lot of Vader, man. A lot of Vader. And he also had a very distinct, oh, it's time. It's time. It's Vader time. time. And I'm telling you live, one of my favorite themes. Yeah. That bass. Oh shit, he's gonna fuck somebody up, son. He was another. He was another scary guy for me. I don't know why, but when I saw Vader, I just because he used to hurt people for fucking real. Someone's gonna get their ass beat. You guys were asking me earlier, how do you get these guys to sign up for these ass whoopings that big guys give them? He's one of the guys on the list of people where I'd be like, you know, I don't know if I need the money that bad. I I don't need the rub. I think I'm. Yeah, word. I don't need the rub or the neck brace. That I'm comes good. attached with wrestling, <laughs> fucking Big Von Vader. Now, was he that way because of his, you know, not being that great at actually wrestling, or was he that way just because he's just very stiff? He had skill and he had technique. The problem was, is hey, the higher up the card, the better, the more you got out of Leon. The lower in the card, uh, he he got a little bit more reckless. There was a a stack of bodies a mile high when it came to the Jeronis. He took care of the stars. He would never really stiff the people he was making money with. But mm-hmm. much like I just said at the beginning of this podcast about my guys getting over as monsters on this past Sunday, that was his role. His role was to beat up the jobbers and make him look like a fucking beast. And if it meant snapping you in half, that's what he did. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to make money for this company as a monster. If that means that they have to feed you to me to do that, and that's what it is. And... And I don't mean to speak ill of the dead, but that was just the way he did his business. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Vader, Vader uh, will always have a piece of uh, uh, of my heart. Also, not for nothing, I give Vader a lot of credit for getting the Kane character over. And I know that people will say, well, Kane and Taker are the best program ever. Right, but you bought into it because of what Kane did when he wasn't facing The Undertaker. Right. If you want to know where they went wrong with The Fiend, look at Kane's booking when it started, at the very beginning. That's kind of what I think people expected. Vader was really, the first guy Kane fought was Mankind, because obviously you got a, a bruiser, so you got to put him in the ring with a guy who just loves getting his ass kicked. So that mm. worked out pretty good. But that second one was with Vader. And that was the No Way Out match where Kane took a fucking Stenson wrench to the face. Of Vader and caved his whole shit in, and I said, <laughs> "I said, you know what, Vader, I give you credit, motherfucker. You're trying to do good business here, and this motherfucker just walloped you with this fucking wrench to the face." I nope. said, "God damn!" But you know what? It got over. I was just saying this second ago. When it comes to jobbers, Vader has no problem getting stiff to get over. Well, guess what? They told Kane, "We got to make this look good." And he said. I got you. He just fucking caved his whole shit in with a fucking wrench. I loved it. I'll never forget that as long as I fucking live. Oh, God. Vader. Vader with the Vader bomb, the 450-pound moonsault. That's 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 on the list of uh, no-nos for me. I'm I'm scared to death of that Vader bomb, 
but he's in more control of that bomb than he is the moonsault. Because I saw him, who was it? I think it was Macho Man. He fucking caved Macho Man's whole shit in with that moonsault. I am straight. I'm set. I don't need it. Any memories from you, Dave, when it comes to Vader? I already told you mine. I was looking for Paul's input. Mm, Paul Green, any Vader? I remember Vader having that Mastodon mask when he used to come out in the early days. Smoke would come out from the sides. He would come down to the ring. That's pretty cool. Also remember his uh, match with Sting for the title. Uh Uh-huh. Pretty good stuff. Yeah, Vader was just... He had on a mask. He wasn't considered a luchador. But yeah, he acted okay. like luchador in the ring with some of those moves. <laughs> uh, we always we gave Ron Simmons credit on the, during the Black History Month for being the first African American world champion. Where the guy that he beat was Vader. Yes. Uh, the guy that did the job and passed the torch to Ron Simmons with Vader. So he's invited to the barbecue. He gets he he gets to go to the cookout. <laughs> he uh, gets to go to the cookout. Yeah, he gets a, he gets a plate. He gets a plate. He gets a plate at the cookout. There's Vader. Plus, he, he's a funny dude, funny dude in real life to, to talk to. Now, we only have four left. Right. And this is where Dave has a huge problem with his fucking list. So do me a favor real quick because we can do stories for days on all four of these, dude. I want you to do right now, do four, three, two, and one right now just so we can mush all this together and hash this shit the fuck out. Just say them all? Just go in order, four, three, two, and then one, and then we'll just hash this shit out. All right, four, three, two, and one, all Kane. Disgust. <laughs> <laughs> That's number where I four, think he has the problem, yeah. Number yeah. four, Kane. Number three, Big Show. Number two, Andre the Giant. And number one, Undertaker. Let me just get my input out of the way. Uh, I don't know. I guess I wasn't really that big of a big show guy, so I really don't see him above Andre the Giant. I know he's huge. I didn't really follow his his career, so I can't really truly debate that. I'm not arguing, especially especially this being a WWE list. Undertaker being number one. Um, I mean, that's the guy's done so much that goes without question. So for him to be number one isn't too far-fetched. My issue is Kane at four. Um, I would personally put him at one because he's impact me. I know, obviously, Undertaker, you can compare careers, or you can't compare careers to the Undertaker. But for me personally, I love Kane. Uh, but him not being at number two is what gets really weird for me. So what do you guys think about that? Paul Green, what did you think of four of the last four? Uh, I think Kane is in the wrong spot as well. I don't have him at four. Where would you? I I, I have him at two. My man. Yeah. Okay. I have him at two, right behind Taker. Andre is three, and is Big Show would be four. I don't think high? Big Show should be top five. To be, I don't think Big Show should be that high. Yeah, I don't think Big Show at all could be, should be that high. And that's no disrespect to the Big Show. He's great. But like we said earlier, there's so many super heavyweights. And yeah, he was a, a big proponent in the business as a super heavyweight. But, I mean, look at the names that were on this list. I don't know. I wouldn't put him that high either. Uh, I don't have Kane at two. At best, I would have had Kane at three. I give Andre a little bit more than I give Kane. But that's only because of what Andre did at the beginning of his career all right. the way down to the end. 
Uh, right. I, I did, um, uh, not unfortunately, <laughs> I did fortunately get to see a lot of his later stuff uh, mm-hmm. in the WWE when he had the feud uh, with Hogan. And we, he had the feud, uh, was it Jake Roberts, I think, when he had the, he was scared of the snakes and he did the big angle with him. I got to see some of the later stuff. I really didn't get a chance to appreciate him until I got older when I realized how much of an attraction he really was. We spoke earlier about Don Leo uh, Johnson, about him being one of the first real big men attractions. In the history of this business, there's been no bigger, even to this day, big man attraction. Not athleticism, not performer, just name on the card, attraction because he's a big guy. That That's Andre the Giant. That's what it's been for a long time. That's what it will probably always be until we live long enough to where that legend starts to get diluted. It's a WWE list, so obviously Taker's going to be at one. 100%. Yeah, obviously. I mean, to do it at his level for as long as he But did, that's the only one that I think that can, like... Yeah, that's really the only one. Kane, I think, it, it, I, like I said, I, it, even at four, I'm like, that. Ah, he's got to be higher than that. It's Kane. For as long as he did it, and for as great as he did it, for just the different... I mean, just res- I think Kane gets that spot more for being Glenn than being Kane, because of all the bullshit he endured. How, how many shitty gimmicks they put on him purposely, just to see like if he could pull it off, and then to take the Kane character. He's been at the long. top. He's been at the top, and he's also been on but, the bottom. Yeah, and he's just looked great and no matter where he was. He's been a great human being the entire process, and you got to. I mean, I'm sorry, but he's one of the more influential characters to this day if you pop the mask on him and he goes out there the building shakes and that i think that counts for something so yeah i I don't know if i get that reaction from a big show you know and again that's not a disrespect to him but look at this list right before big show hit the list we had i mean we got vader here bam bam yokozuna this is all off the top i think those three names alone might have created more lasting memories than the big show did yeah uh, he's to me the big show is struggling to get into the top 10 here and, yeah and they have him at three so i was like woof i wonder if that list was made before or after he went to aew because that might change the list <clears throat> yeah right exactly but, yeah. but no yeah the, uh, the, the 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 top of this list i don't think too many people are going to disagree with you're just moving parts around now at that point but it's pretty much all there, right there. So that's our that's our big list here for big men in the industry. Again, Paul Green and I think Dave at one point mentioned that there are other super heavyweights that were not on this list. If I can give a little bit of love to some other ones, like, uh, for instance, a big Scott Norton, who wasn't on here mm-hmm. for some oddball reason, a Scott Hall, who maybe not weight-wise, but definitely 6'8", six, 6'9", six, definitely one of the taller individuals that have been here. There's a lot of big guys that have been in the industry, but didn't really make the impact that this guy possibly, uh, these guys made. So that is our big man conversation here, episode 191. We are on our way, little by little, creeping to episode 200. I have no idea what the plan is for that just yet. All I know is is that it's apparently about eight or nine weeks away which means there's a very strong possibility of that for the first time. Maybe that's the episode where me and Dave are following you in the same room when we do a fucking episode. That would be dope. For the big special, uh, maybe we can do that. 
Yeah. <laughs> and make that happen. Either I go down there or you come up here, whichever one, we'll figure it out. But I'll probably come up. She's been dying to get up there. Well, all right. Well, either way. But we, we, uh, 200 is going to be something that's going to be pretty crazy. But that's not for another nine weeks. In about four weeks, close to it. No, about five weeks, we're going live. Back to audiences. Things are changing. Going back to normal. I started the whole live streaming thing from the crib because of COVID. So maybe now I can start going back to being in actual studio. That would be cool to get back into that. I got to hit my boy Stephen James back up, see what we can do about that. Uh, so my school stuff is also pretty much fucking finished. Um, I just found out that I passed my teaching exam. So right. that's out of yes, the yes. fucking way. So that's cool. Uh, I still have to wait for my PE test to come back, but once that does, I'm pretty much in the driver's seat, so I am going to have more time, finally, to divulge back into my hobbies, which would be this and my wrestling stuff. So, looking, f I'm drained and I'm tired now, but I'm looking forward to what the future holds for all of us. My main goal for this summer, I want to get my Twitch thing going. Okay. That's a big thing on my list. I'm, 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 I want to eliminate some of the menial stuff that I have to do that's left. Right. But sometime July, August, <clears throat> probably more so in August because my summer class lands me right there in the middle of July. But uh, I really want to get that thing up and running, and I just got to figure out what the fuck I'm going to put on it. But we'll, we'll get to that bridge when we cross to it. But uh, as stupid as it may sound, I opened up a TikTok because people keep sending me videos Mm -hmm. to look at wrestling-related stuff. Oh, you should talk about this on the show. And they keep linking me to TikTok videos, and I can't see them unless I have the program. Right. So I downloaded the app, and I signed oh. up for it to watch these videos, but now I'm realizing into my head, oh, you have a, f a fucking account on TikTok now, so maybe you should promote it. I don't know. Perhaps it's I huge. Should. That's a huge platform. It's a platform. I yeah. know. It's getting bigger out there, so who fucking knows? No, no, no. You, you, you didn't hear the words that I said. It's a huge platform, yeah. man. It's out here. It's out here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we'll see. There might be some expansion stuff going on with this program moving forward, so I'm getting excited. So thanks, uh, Paul Green, for taking the time. Thanks. I know you got your hands full over there. Sorry to interrupt your evening. Uh, but, uh, it was a pleasant break from the norm. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. See, when you, any chance you get to ignore your kid is always a good time. I know I found that out uh, the hard way. I was when I when I first started raising my son, I was all about that kid. Now he's six, and if he fell out of the window, I'd chuckle. So <laughs> we're good here. Um, yeah, he's. Uh, I can hear him. Well, during the course of this show, I've heard him talking shit in the other room. So he's gonna get it when I get out of here. Me and him are not vibing right now. We're, we're kind of yelling at each other, but we'll figure it out. So, Dave, uh, next week we have to figure out what we're going to do next week, right? We got the beginning of June here. We'll figure some stuff out. So. We'll figure something out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Oh, the big double or nothing pay per view. Let's talk about that. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. So, uh, stadium stampede, baby. Uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what goes down. I, I've become less and less infatuated with today's product. And it has affected my excitement as far as talking about them. So I've actually been dipping more into topics like this where we kind of arrange it differently and talk more about some of the older stuff. I find myself becoming more nostalgic every day. So we'll see what kind of different topics we can come up with. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for downloading. Thank you guys for sharing. And most importantly, thank you guys for enjoying. This is episode 191. 100 episodes now pay him.
and make sure that you buy my husband's t-shirt at prowrestlingtees.com slash A-J-O-U-N. Please, he needs this. Listen to my daddy's show. He's the best, so I don't know.